early signing day all across uh, the United States as uh, young men uh, signed their national letters of intent uh, to go ahead and get that. That doesn't mean they have to enroll early, though some uh, of these young men will, uh, will certainly do that, and it's been a busy day up and down the coast. And, of course, nationally with uh, the classes for Georgia, Georgia Tech, and all over uh, inking uh, pen to paper to get uh, the next crop of young men to come play at their school. So we got a lot to get to here on the program and uh, joining us right here off the jump, a, a young man who signed with Illinois earlier today, uh, wide receiver, uh, six foot five out of Glen Academy, Tyson Rooks joins us. Tyson, welcome to Three and Out. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks hey, for having me. Hey, we're doing fantastic. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, talk about the decision to go to uh, to, to Illinois. Well, you know, um, it really just started with the coaches, Coach Henry, Coach Walters. They're some great dudes. They showed a lot of love to me. Um, I went up there unofficially this past weekend. I just fell in love with this. Um, fell in love with the whole program. Nice campus, um, good facility, and uh, the coaching staff is. They're they're a new coaching staff, and uh, the the program's growing, and I just want to be a part of it. So what was the recruiting process like? You mentioned a number of different factors to consider and, and weigh, and you got a chance to go out there, but how would you describe the last couple of months as you've gone through this recruiting process? It was crazy. Um, me coming out from my first year, I never really expected any of it. Um, I had like 13 offers. The pressure got real, and uh, Illinois just happened to be the best choice for me. And Tyson, I mean, obviously that's a long way from home when you talk about it, going from the Golden Isles to Illinois. But what made you the most comfortable? You talked about, you know, going on all these visits. But what made Illinois that school to say, listen, this is where I want to spend, you know, potentially the next three to four years of my collegiate career? Well, you know, just coming from a small town, Brunswick, Georgia, St. Thomas Island, it's, it's different. And uh, that's just me growing up. I've always wanted to live somewhere else other than Georgia. And Illinois being far away, that just, Perfect fit for me. Tyson Rooks joining us here out of Glen Academy, signed with Illinois today to play wide receiver. And uh, Tyson, talk about that recruiting process. You said just one year of high school football. I know there's uh, guys who get recruited for two, three seasons of, of their high school career. Just talk about how that recruiting process went for, for you with just one single season of high school football. Well, I'm real thankful I came out for my last year. Like I said, uh, I never really expected any of this coming out my first year. I just came out summer league, um, played in seven or seven tournaments, competed really good, started to really get an idea of the sport and how the varsity level is going to be. Um, practice hard, put in extra work outside of practice, and just things turned turn out to be my way, go my way. I know you're a two-time all-region basketball player. Uh, talk about how playing basketball and some other sports, I believe uh, also track and tennis, uh, helped you on the football field. Yes, sir. Um, just running up and down the court, uh, snagging balls, uh, snatching rebounds out of the air, uh, tennis, running the sideline to sideline, transitioning real quick, and track with just speed, and I competed in the high jump. So all that played a big role on the football field. Tyson, I mean, 6'5", you cannot coach height, you cannot coach speed. You have both of them. But what kind of problems do you oppose for opposing DBs? You're a guy who can definitely go out there and run and plug the ball. But what is the best part of your game that translates to a school like Illinois? I'm sorry, ask that one more time. 
I was saying, you know, uh, you can't coach height, you can't coach speed. You happen to have both. But what translates the most for your from your game, from what you do well, you know, against those DBs going to a school like Illinois? I'd probably say um, my probably my jumping ability and speed. Um, like basketball really helped with that, I guess. Read in your profile, Tyson, you're a all-A honor roll student. Talk about putting the work in, obviously, uh, on the field, but in the classroom as well. Yes, sir, that's my main priority. You know, you can't do anything. You can't go to any big colleges without the grades. So I make sure I get all that done. Um, I had a tutor, Miss Davis. She helped DJ Dallas, Byron Bacon, and some other big-time players coming out of GA with their ACT and SAT scores. So she played a big role in this uh recruiting process as well. And Tyson, you're not only a signee, you're an early signee. I mean, uh, you one year of football, you got 13 offers. What was your expectation when you first got on the field this year? Really just to go out there and have fun. You know, first year, if I was trash, I was trash. I mean, I, there's nothing to lose. And so I just went out there, did my thing, and just turned out to be a good player. I, I was going to say, obviously, Tyson, that was not the case as you were headed to Illinois to uh, – to play football. Congratulations. Uh, enjoy it, and uh, we appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Tyson Rooks joining us here out of Glen Academy 6-5. Illinois uh, signee now headed to uh, to Illinois, and that's a story, Ben, you just don't hear a lot about. Hey, I came out for my senior year because just wanted to have some fun, and it turned into 13 offers and a, and a Big Ten scholarship. Ben Harstock was a guy that I, you know, I was blessed enough to play with uh, two years with the Titans, and he said something that I think you know, uh, Tyson, uh, you know, uh, resonates with. When you're 6'5", you got to prove you cannot play football. When you're 5'10", you got to prove you can. 13 offers, first year playing football. But for those parents out there that think your, your child has to play one sport, multi-sport athlete, basketball helps, tennis helps, track helps. Once again, 6'5", he said, I can run, I can jump. Well, if you're a DB and you're giving up at least five, six inches to a guy that just – I mean, just started playing football in the early signing. I mean, his parents got to be very, very proud of him. Obviously, Kevin and BJ, he's built for just not on the field, but off the field as well. And it's really cool to hear the perspective of the student athletes, you know, who have accomplished so much to get to this point. I know, Kevin, you were able to be at Benedictine earlier today with a Holden Gurner and getting ready to go to Auburn. Ben, you and I were in Camden County visiting with Jamie Felix, the running back, going to George Tech, and just it, stories that are so impressive. Guys that put in a ton of work. Uh, you get it done on the field, off the field, and a chance to be a part of big-time college football moving forward and to do it today. You know, a couple of years ago, this this wasn't a possibility, not that long ago. I mean, uh, with, with, with the change in er, the early signing period, and remember we still have a couple of more days to go after today with the early signing period, but really excited for these student athletes. And, uh, man, I, Ben, how do you weigh all these factors? You heard him say, I got a chance to go out to Illinois. Uh, you're thinking about academics. You're thinking about athletics. You're thinking about – where you're going to be living. I mean, is it cold? Is it hot? What's the campus like? I mean, how do you weigh what's most important through all that? I was way different than a guy like Tyson. I mean, he, I mean, first year playing football, he said, I just want to go out there and make some plays and be the best player I can be. 13, 13, I end up getting 13 offers. But the fact that he handled his business away from, away from the field, I mean, all, you know, all A's is a guy that definitely takes his education very, very serious. And what people don't realize about that, too, is – you want to make sure you're ready when the coach comes in. You don't want no, no red flags. So for him to go from not playing to being an early enrollee, sh show you uh, the type of person he was. But when I came out, BJ and Kevin, look, I was – it wasn't – man, thank God it wasn't about team success. 
at, at that point. But I had, a, I had a really, really great head coach. David Land did an incredible job. I got a chance to go to some football camps. I got a chance to experience life, you know, outside of Augusta, Georgia. You know, it worked out. But, I mean, to all the guys that signed today, you cannot make a bad choice. You're going to second guess it. You're going to say, did I pick the right situation? But at the culmination of a high school career to be able to go to college for free on an athletic scholarship, that is what you went to school for. But make sure you say, you know, thank you to any and everybody that had something to do with it because it's, it's, it's much bigger than just the people uh, you share the same last name with. Absolutely. The big signing day uh, today, as you mentioned, uh, Thomas Castellanos uh, signing with Central Florida. Jamie Felix going to uh, Georgia Tech. You had uh, Jaquez Williams from uh, Jenkins going to uh, South Florida. Uh, Kaniya Charlton uh, going to sign in just a little bit this afternoon out of Brunswick High School, going to play at FSU. Holden Gurner, as we mentioned, going to sign, or he did sign, and going to play quarterback. He's going to be an early enrollee, yep, right? He's going to early enroll and talk to him and said, hey, yep, leaving in January to go to Auburn and uh, and get started there. So uh, he's going to go play uh, there in the SEC West. So uh, congratulations to all those young men. Uh, Langston Lewis going to uh, Central Michigan signing today out of Islands High School. So a lot of young men uh, moving on to play uh, at the next level. Those are just a few uh, that are signing today, and certainly there will be more uh, coming in February from our area. We've got more to come here on 3 and Out. Speaking of a crazy day, maybe one of the craziest of days in early signing day. We'll get to that next here on 3 and Out. Now on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network, Kevin BJ and Ben, it is early signing day. Early signing day here on this Wednesday, glad you are with us. A lot happening here on National Signing Day, including the number one player in the country, fellas, Travis Hunter Jr., flipping to Jacksonville State, or Jackson State, excuse me, not Jacksonville State, Jackson State, to play for Deion Sanders uh, there at an HBCU, was committed to Florida State since March of 2020, and here on National Signing Day, flipped to go to the HBCU in Jackson State. It would, it's the it's the biggest uh it's the biggest uh I don't know, it's the biggest uh, situation I've ever seen in uh in our you know I mean Kevin when you talk about you you looking for something seismic, right? Something crazy on National Signing Day. First time ever the number one recruit has not gone to a, a P five school and flipped and went to an HBCU. Now, you go back two years ago, right? Look at the timeline. Deion Sanders gets the head coach's job at Jackson State. People thinking, okay, what is he gonna do? He said, give me one year, we're going to be in the Celebration Bowl. Up, check. Second year, they're in the Celebration Bowl. They had the number one recruiting class in the HBCUs, out of all the HBCUs last year. But yesterday, Deion Sanders was on one of his platforms. I I couldn't tell you which one it is. I mean, he got a gazillion of them. But he said, I am going to shock college football tomorrow. So people are saying, okay, what is he going to do? Like, Now, when I heard, I'm thinking, is Deion Sanders leaving? Like, he's going to do something crazy? And then... But Travis Hunter, if you haven't seen the video, I mean, everybody thought the kid was going to Florida State, but when he decided to go to Jackson, you know, Jackson State, it's what it, it's what it means for HBCUs. It's what it means for for recruits who have leverage. When you're the number one recruit, everybody wants to know where you're going to go. Nobody, and I do mean nobody, saw this happening. And I only think one person could have done this. Ada George is the head coach of TSU, Tennessee State. Hugh Jackson, you know, the head coach of Grambling, they couldn't have done this. So when people ask what is star power, what is influence, I give you Deion Sanders. And I just think, BJ, it's what it means, not just, not just, for, not just for recruiting, not just for recruits, 
But it's it's a young man like Travis Hunter who may never be in this position ever again, right? So he goes, I'm the number one recruit in the country. What comes with that? I decide where I go, and obviously I'm waiting to see that NIL deal. But at the end of the day, when people talk about head coaches resonating with players, I don't think there is one that can resonate with a player more than Deion Sanders. I mean, I think it's really cool. I mean, you're talking about a a, a prospect that many have talked about as being kind of a once-in-a-generation in a type player. And uh, for him to go to Jackson State, I think not only made national headlines, but I think this could be the starting point, Ben, for maybe more of this moving forward. Uh, and, you know, HBCUs have so much to offer. They are such a vibrant part, important part of, of college football. I think it's, you know, great to see this happen. It was – what's amazing to me is that there there wasn't any sense of this, right? No. At, at least from what we saw on social media or just, you know, talking to reporters, I didn't get any inclination that this was a possibility or that this was on the verge of happening. And then seemingly in a span of like an hour, you started to see some reports, hey, something like this might happen. And we've seen numerous uh, pundits for recruiting, Kevin – who have said this is the biggest storyline ever yeah. in recruiting yeah. in terms of you know the modern era of recruiting. Well, what, what I was going to say, I was saying, Ben, I think this is also a, a perfect storm of scenarios, right? Uh, and Ben touched on one of them. And I will, I'll, I'll ask both of you, you can feel free to respond. Does this move happen? Because I think um, in, in years past you would say, would the number one player go to an HBCU? Would the number one player go to an FCS school? Would the number one player go to a G5 school? Probably not. But – does this happen if it's not Deion Sanders? I, I, I mean, because I, I, I'm trying to think who else it would happen for. It would happen to be like, hey, Nick Saban's like, hey, I've done all I can do at Alabama. I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to go coach at FCS school, and I just want to play for Nick Saban. No, I don't think so. But does this happen, one, because it's Deion Sanders, and two, this probably doesn't happen without NIL in place. Yes. Because, because again, that's the other upside of a reportedly – He's got to deal with Barstool Sports already in place and Penn Gaming for a million, maybe with an S on the end, millions of dollars. Does that happen with those two things not in place? No, and and, and there's nothing wrong with saying that, no. Like, for people to, people are mad that Deion Sanders has more influence than these big, than these big schools. Like, the, th- the thing about it is, is the U.S. kid that went to Ohio State. He didn't go to Ohio State because he won Ohio State. They were giving him a million dollars. Like, he loves the Buckeyes. No, he's not. Because he's already, you know, right now, he's probably on campus in Austin. So for everybody saying, what is the what can Deion Sanders do better than anybody can? Better than Nick Saban, better than Dabo Swinney, better than, you know, Kirby Smart. Deion Sanders has been a walking brand since he came out of college. He stays on brand. What is he saying? All right, man, this, right listen, I'm dealing with I'm dealing with people who endorse or I'm dealing with people who give out NIL deals in my sleep. I do this in my sleep. Think about what Deion Sanders turns down because he can't do everything. Hey, Travis, you want to come over here? Yeah. All right. This is what I can do for you. Because that's what every other coach, that's what every other parent is asking. Why did why did why did parent why did why did player X go to team X? Because I can Yeah, I want to play. Don't make no mistake about it. I want to play. But if I'm going to JSU, what can get me there? You just said it, Kevin. NIL deal. And I, I one of the biggest ones. The person who got the biggest NIL deal that nobody even talking even talking about, Master Peace son got two million dollars to go to Tennessee Tech, but he don't play football, so people don't care. Travis Hunter used what most people will never have—that's leverage. Florida State, listen, Florida State, <clears throat> you got two million dollars, man. That's almost more than Coach Norvell make. Well, I, well, it's not happening. So if Deion Sanders is saying, "Look," but I was mad at him because he got the number one recruit. 
It's because you couldn't get him. Because if you could get him, you're going, I do love JSU right now. Now, that puts more pressure on Travis Hunter and even more pressure on Dion. Because now, I don't know if that gives them more looks, BJ, as far as like national. But people are going to be keeping up with that. Because the number one, I don't know who the number three or number four recruit is in the country. Right. I know who the number one is. And I know where he's going. The whole world knows about Jackson State and Travis Hunter because of today. And I, I credit Dion, man. Like I said, Dion says that all I got is my word. He lived up to it. I didn't believe in Kevin until I saw it, but I saw his thing. I'm like, this boy is going to jail. And mind you, you know, I'm not mad at Travis Hunter. Does this mean that other kids in his position going to go to these schools? Yep, if they can do what he got. Because the, the price has already gone up. Whatever Dion did for Travis, if he want to get the number one next year, that's probably – and it should. So – I'm happy for both of those guys. Definitely Travis, though. It takes a lot of courage to do that. He understands. But the young man has been on TV since he was 12, 13 years old. So this won't be nothing new for him. Yeah, I'm happy for him, too. And and I think you're talking about – Kevin mentioned a couple of different factors that play into this. I mean, Deion Sanders is the best cornerback ever. And I know Travis has talked a lot about how much he admires Deion, what what Deion means to him, and a chance to go play for and learn from Deion Sanders – Uh, You couple that with the marketing opportunities that are there, Kevin. And, yeah, it's the biggest storyline in recruiting uh, today and maybe the biggest storyline we've ever seen. And it's National Signing Day. A number of young men uh, signing their uh, national letters of intent here on this early signing period. Our next guest did that just moments ago there at uh, Jenkins High School. Offensive lineman Jaquez Williams joins us, signed with South Florida. Jaquez, welcome to the show, man. How are you? Good. How about you? Hey, appreciate you coming on and uh, talk about this recruiting process and how it all played out for you, ultimately deciding to go to South Florida. Uh, as originally, I was supposed to sign with a 2021 class, but because of COVID, I had a great shirt, out, and they had it up and down, but it all got through it because of God's plan, not my plan. So, originally, I'm signing with a 22 class. I rolled in Jerry State. It's been amazing. Coach style kept me up, kept me into a team. I've been down there a couple of times. They made me feel like family. They made me feel like one of them. But it's been great. Talk about the opportunity to go to Tampa. You're talking about a campus right there uh, on the water, a program that has made a lot of headlines, you know, over the last 10, 15 years or so. Talk about being a part of a South Florida program that continues to be on the rise. As a we up and coming, Coach Scott, he's the leader. He got the, I like this um, vision he had for the program. He really about to change everything down in Tampa. I I know that you are getting ready to, uh, you know, embark on some of the best years of your life, but I I always have to ask this. It was a long time since I signed a national letter of intent 20, 21 years ago. You happy to sign, you happy to sign to the school, but aren't you kind of happy that it's over? (laughs) Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, because recruiting, it's kind of, you feel me, hey, I won't say stressful, but it's kind of like hard because you got so many people who love and like you, want you for this, want you for that. So it's like people are like really playing tug of war, but nah, that's all over. It's like I'm putting all in the past. It's like a belief. Savannah, Georgia to Tampa. How excited are you for for, for that trip? Uh, I'm real excited. I'm real fired up about it. Talk about yourself as a player and what you're bringing to the next level. Games are won at the line of scrimmage in the trenches. What type of player is South Florida getting? Again, a relentless player, player who don't stop to with a blow. I'm just, uh, I'm really all around guy, interior to out. So it's like you're getting the whole package with me. I know when you were a freshman and you playing football with all the media attention that uh, 
young guys get now and you just want to be able to say, man, I know you probably went to some of your teammates' uh, signing days and you were saying, man, I just want that to be me. With everything you had to go through to get to this point, it's got to feel good knowing that, listen, everything I wanted to in college, I mean, in high school worked out for me because I'm headed to Tampa. Yes, sir. All the hard work I put in, I'm finally paying off. Still got my work put in, though. Certainly, Jaquez Williams joining us here. Jaquez, we really appreciate you hopping on and joining us. Best of luck to you there at the South Florida. And, again, congratulations. Yes, I appreciate it all. Appreciate it. Jaquez Williams, 6'2", 270, 280 pounds or so, going to uh, South Florida there in Tampa to play for the Bulls. Big-time program, and just great to continue to hear from these student-athletes who have worked their lives for this opportunity, who have worked for you know, 10, 10 years, maybe even more than that when you first start playing uh, football and then to get to the high school level, establish yourself and realize maybe I'm good enough to play at that next level to get college offers. And whether, you know, whether it's FBS, FCS, Division One, Division Two, you look, you're talking about a chance to go to the next level and uh, not only further yourself athletically, but academically and a chance to go down to Tampa. Ben, I know you used to live in yeah, Tampa, a beautiful yeah. part of the world, but, yeah. but a program with Jeff Scott there that's, that's on the rise, former Clemson coordinator, and they've put a lot of linemen into the National Football League. When you think about defensive linemen, offensive linemen that have come from that program, especially guys on that defensive line, they are in the National Football League. So another student athlete from our area to be very proud of, very happy for. I'm super duper happy for him. I mean, uh, BJ, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, uh, my house wasn't too far from the campuses of USF. JPP, Jason Pierre Paul, to me, arguably the best uh, USF bull there is. He's back in town, and they say he's always on campus lending anything he can uh, to, like, you know, uh, those D linemen. But I'm just super duper happy for Jaquest. I understand. When you're in high school, sometimes you get lost uh, with everything going on because you just want to be able to say, hey, every 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 high school player wants to be the best player he can for his team. Every high school football player wants to hopefully win a, a state championship, but every high school player wants to play at the next level. And you want to be able to say, I have my pick. Listen, Savannah got some nice weather. It really, really does. But Tampa got nice weather too because <laughs> I've been there and I know – and. It's something to say with, with these kids, Kevin and BJ, coming from cities, going to cities. That, because you you used to it now. Tampa is a big city, but I'm with Jacquez, nothing but the best, man. Uh, the Bulls should be getting a big-time player. And a lot to, uh, to get to still here on the show on this National Signing Day. Georgia putting together another big class, as uh, Kirby Smart has done ever since he's been there in Athens. We'll hear from Jake Roos when we come back here on 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin. Day early signing period here on this Wednesday. And... A lot going on. Georgia putting together another uh, just tremendous class uh, out there as well. As uh, Kirby Smart has just been one of the best to do it uh, across the country since he's been there at the University of Georgia. Earlier on, Christian Gokel had a chance to sit down with Jake Roos of Dogs HQ, part of the On3 Network, and talk about Kirby's class here in 2021-2022. Our good friend Jake Roos joins us. Jake, I know it's been a crazy day out there. We appreciate you making some time. Hey, I appreciate you guys for having me. Thank you. Uh, Jake, first off, let's let's start with the national news, man. You, your initial reaction when you see Travis Hunter, a guy I know you've had to follow closely because it seemed like it was Florida State and maybe Georgia trying to sneak there uh, at the end. He announces he's going to Jackson State. Well, what was your initial reaction? Uh, 
surprised and shocked, I think, just like everybody else was. But, um, you know, I, I think that uh, he took a playbook – he took a page right out of the playbook of his new head coach, that's for sure. Uh, Travis Hunter won the day, uh, had stolen the spotlight completely. Everybody's talking about him, and the buzz is all around him. So all that's done is helped build that kid's brand. It's made him more marketable than he could have ever imagined. And, uh, you know, per- personally, I think that that's a really, really smart uh, play on his part. I think it's a great idea. And, um, you know, kudos to him and, and Dion for orchestrating the whole thing because, uh, you know, he's really, really changed the face of uh, how this all works now. Again, Jake Roos with On3.com joining us here. Jake, as y'all have it right now, who currently sits on top of the leaderboard there in the team rankings? Uh, so for us, what we're talking about, I think, is uh, Alabama leading the way, uh, but a super, super close race with them and Texas A&M. And Georgia right there nipping at the heels as well. Uh, I mean, you're talking about, you know, point two differences. So, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out, especially, you know, moving out of today and then into February as well. Jake, as you look at Georgia's class right now, I know they're still waiting for a few more people to sign and also some other battles out there that they're still in where they don't quite know where they stand with some of these. Let's start with the ones that they expect to come in. Who's still out there for Georgia that they're waiting on? Well, there's three big ones I think that you're watching the rest of the day. Uh, That's probably Kamari Wilson uh, uh, on ESPN2 uh, around the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, At 440, you've got Marvin Jones Jr. uh, also popping. Um, And then uh, at 6 o'clock will be Shamar James. All three of those guys, I think, uh, very impactful players and guys Georgia covets highly. going to be interesting to see how that all goes uh, for sure. I feel pretty good about Marvin Jones Jr. right now, actually, uh, which is kind of surprising. You know, I think that that last official visit for him was pretty crucial. Uh, you know, when you're talking about Kamari Wilson, that's kind of been all over the place the last couple of days. Uh, Florida really made an impact there, I think, with an official visit this past weekend. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. And then, um, you know, I, I, there's some Jackson State rumors around him as well. So uh, we'll see if Crime can do it again. And then Shamar James has been kind of up in the air, but uh, kind of a shocker. It felt like in the last 24 hours. Florida has really surged there, so it might be tough for uh, Georgia to pull him, but uh, certainly the Bulldogs are going to be trying going down the stretch. Uh, From our neck of the woods down here in South Georgia, the news kind of breaking earlier today that Darius Smith has backed off, not his commitment to Georgia, but signing early, saying he wants to sign with his team in February. Is there anything Georgia fans should be concerned about there? I don't get that sense, to be honest with you. I think that it's a situation for him uh, where it's – you know, Georgia covets that kid. They have highly. Uh, you know, he feels comfortable with Georgia. It's not like he's been one of those guys who's taken a ton of visits all over the place. Uh, you know, I think that it's a situation for him where he may just want to do that with his team. But, uh, you know, Georgia really needs pass rushers in this class. Darius is one of the best. And, um, you know, I think they're going to do everything in their power to make sure that he's a part of this class in the end. And I feel confident that he will be. I wanted to ask you about kind of the structure of this class because it seems like every year, obviously, as the cycles go, you have certain positions of need, but then every now and then, too, you'll kind of have like that foundation position where it's what makes your class go up so high in the rankings. And I felt like uh, maybe call it three, four months ago, that was going to be the defensive line. And I'm not saying that it still won't be, but it obviously it takes a hit with West heading to Tennessee there. I think the calling card for this one might be the secondary, though, and that's obviously a position of need for Georgia. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, you know, I think that uh, they've done a great job addressing that through this class. Um, you know, you've seen multiple guys. Uh, Dalen Everett was a guy, like you said, they flip, uh, they flip him over yesterday, a five-star cornerback in this class. Julian Humphreys on board. Um, you know, you got Malachi Starks as a part of this uh, DB class. Ja'Cory Thomas is a guy they really like. 
uh, and still waiting on Kamari Wilson out there. So, you know, there are several pieces for Georgia that can be at play, and I, I think that uh, they've got a lot of chance to, um, you know, be impactful here and, and make some noise. I think that that's key. And, um, uh, you know, like you said, they've got to restock. Uh, in this era of college football uh, with the air raid and, and uh, you know, c- uh, coaches being out there, uh, you know, kind of just slinging the ball all over the place, I, I think Kirby Smart understands that significance as much as anybody. Yeah, you look at their top guys in this class, and you have to go a while, I think, what, seven, eight guys before you get to the first offensive guy. So Georgia with the best defense in college football all year, and they're not shying away from it in recruiting. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, somebody asked me yesterday, do they care as much about recruiting offense as they do defense? Because <laughs> it seems like the class is so heavily slanted that way. I, I think the reality is it's just a lot easier sell if you're talking about, uh, you know, what they're able to pitch to kids. Uh, do you want to come be part of a record setting defense? Yeah, that's a pretty compelling sell, sales pitch. So, uh, you know, I think that that's something that they're kind of leaning into pretty heavily. And, um, I, I think that uh, it's paid dividends for them. You know, offense, I think, still has some room for improvement, and I think you can see that uh, as well in, uh, in how this class has played out. I wanted to ask you about a couple guys, Gunnar Stockton and Oscar Delp. Obviously, people know their names. Gunnar Stockton, uh, the quarterback commit, four-star there uh, from Raven County, then Oscar Delp, also a four-star, one of, depending on who you ask, one of the top two or three tight ends in the country from West Forsyth there. So two Georgia guys, but also two guys where you kind of take a step back and look at the rooms they're walking into – they're going to be low man on the totem pole in a very, very talent-rich position groups right there. What was it about those two guys and Georgia for them that made them want to commit? You know, I think uh, for Stockton, it was it was that home factor and then, you know, the ability to compete. Uh, you know, I think he's really comfortable with that coaching staff, and that's something he values a lot. Uh, you know, he was very comfortable with the guys at South Carolina. Uh, under the previous regime, and um, you know, I think that this is an opportunity for him to to kind of feel that same level of comfort. It came down to Georgia and South Carolina uh, when they switched coaches over there. Uh, obviously, Georgia brings on Will Muschamp, and uh, you know that's that's good news uh, as well. So there's a lot of connections at play uh, at, when it comes to Georgia and Gunnar Stockton, and I think that uh, you know his skill sets play into well uh, play in well with what they want to do offensively. He can scramble. He's got a great long ball as well. So kind of combines a little bit of both JT Daniels and Stetson been in that regard. And then when you're talking about Oscar Delp, you know I think that uh, all you kind of do if you're him is, is the proof's kind of in the pudding with Brock Bowers. I think that uh, that kid has done a tremendous job uh, this year and, and really helped kind of reestablish Georgia as a major player when it comes to tight end play. Um, you know, I think that uh, those guys, uh, you know, have done exceptional there. Um, you, you mentioned it is a loaded room, no question about it, but uh, Delp's the kind of freaky athlete like Bowers, a uh, big, long, uh, fast guy, and I think that he sees the fit in Georgia pretty clearly. I know one of the favorite things for any Georgia fan is checking out who the latest addition to RBU is and top-rated running back coming out of Mississippi is Branson Robinson. What are Georgia fans getting in him? Uh, you know, a big, physical, powerful running back, but also a guy with some speed to him. Uh, you know, I don't want people to think he's just a bruiser. He's a guy who can be a home run hitter for you as well. Uh, but uh, absolutely just yoked when you're talking about from a physical standpoint. Uh, reminds me a lot of Nick Chubb coming out of high school uh, in a lot of facets. So, uh, you know, those, that's high praise for anybody. We'll see if he can deliver on it. But certainly Branson Robinson has a lot of key markers right now. Jake, when you look at this wide receiver room, I know – a lot of talent there, but also it's just, it, I guess weird's the best way to put it because every now and then something will pop out and then that player will get hurt or somebody you expect to really step up 
just kind of struggles throughout the season. It's it really haven't had a standout there at wide receiver, especially since George Pickens goes down. And now you have a lot of guys coming in in this class. You think we see some early playing time for any of these guys? Sure. I think that that's a very big possibility. I think that uh, that Georgia wants to continue to add to this wide receiver class, possibly even through the portal. So, um, you know, C.J. Smith to me is a guy that I'd definitely be watching if I were them. I, I think that, uh, you know, I, to me he stands out and fits all the traits you want. Six foot three, great hands, very physical at wide out. And the big thing is he runs a 10-2-8 in the 100 meters. So he's an absolute burner on the track, a guy who can lay it down out there. Um, you know, you've got some speed like that in Arian Smith, but guys like that are hard to come by, and especially with frames like this. To me, he, he becomes an early candidate for those reasons. All right, Jake, final question here for you, man. When, when you look at this class, who are some of the guys in here, when we kind of talked about it right there, but who are some of the guys in here that you think have the earliest impact during their time at Georgia? Well, you know, I think some of these young DBs have, have a lot of opportunity in front of them, a lot of chance. Uh, Jaheim Singletary, Dalen Everett kind of jump off the page to me as guys who could contribute early. Uh, you know, you're going to probably need to start restocking at linebacker at some point. Jalen Walker makes a lot of sense in that regard. Um, you know, I think that those are probably the guys who jump off the page to me. Darius Smith, uh, like you mentioned earlier, is a guy who could find himself in there just because of the numbers. So, uh, overall, I think that it's a, there's a lot that can be done uh, with the guys that they have, and I, I think they've proven that they know what to do and how to handle these guys and develop them the right way. So uh, they've got a lot of talent on this group, and uh, I think that uh, a lot of these guys have early opportunities in Athens. Jake Roos, Dogs HQ. Jake, tell people where they can find your stuff, man. I know you guys killing it over there with the signing day coverage. Yeah, come over and check us out at Dogs HQ. We've had a great live thread all day on the board, uh, keeping all the subscribers informed on the latest rumors that we're hearing, uh, as well as all the content. Uh, so come check us out over at Dogs HQ. Uh, we got a seven-day free trial right now, and then you can find us over at Rooster, or you can find me over at Rooster Recruiting on Twitter, and that's R E U S E. Jake, you said you said you got some rumors out there. Can you tease us with anything? <laughs> well, I, I gave you my, my juicy one, which is uh, this Kamari Wilson and Jackson State thing. Uh, there does seem to be some smoke around it. So we'll see if primetime can do it again, man. Uh, you, you can never discount anything with Dion's involved. And again, there's Jake Roos joining us from uh, Dogs HQ. A lot of great stuff there with Kirby Smart's recruiting class. We'll come back. More to come here, three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. This is Matt Breida, Walmart Jordan running back, currently running back for the 49ers, and you're listening to 3 and Out with BJ, Ben, and Kevin. Good to have you back here on this Wednesday early signing period. We'll have plenty to get to. Kelly Quinlan uh, will join us. He covers Georgia Tech there for Rivals. He'll join us next hour. We'll look at uh, that Jeff Collins signing class, which includes Jamie Felix from Camden County High School right here along the coast in southeast Georgia. So we'll hear from him next hour as well. And Ben and I had a chance to visit with Jamie Felix uh, earlier today at, at uh, Camden County. Really special scene this morning. The whole football team was, was in there. And you're talking about a guy. I mean, Kevin, you don't see this very often. 
not only going to play football at Georgia Tech, going to play baseball as well. And I talked about that. I think Jeff Heron spoke. Also, the baseball coach talked about Jamie. So, very talented uh, dual-sport athlete and a guy that, wow, I mean, what an opportunity. You go to Georgia Tech and you're playing football and you're playing baseball. Should be fun to follow his career. Yeah, BJ, and one thing that also stood out is uh, another A student, a guy that handles his business away from from the field. uh, and very, very confident when we spoke to him, really, really soft-spoken. When we talked about I asked him what went into the recruiting aspect. He said, well, I want to be able to not just play baseball and, you know, football in high school. I want to be able to play in college. You don't go. You don't go to Georgia Tech if you can't handle the workload away from the, you know, away from the field. But uh, very, very smooth on the field. Yeah, we saw the highlight video yeah, on the big the screen. Right, jumping over people. Yep. Running by people. Make, make, catching listen, touchdowns. Pump, pump returns, kick returns, running the football, catching the football, making tackles. But you know what stood out to me, too, in that highlight video? And if it wasn't, like, completely dark, I probably would have talked to people. Hey, see, is the fact that one of the highlights was him going out and blocking. Yes. And I thought that was so important because everybody thinks about stats. But in that moment, he was you know, the lead blocker and took his man and pushed him back 10, 15 yards. So it's not only just the rushing yards, the receiving yards. I'm talking about blocking as well when you, when you scout Jamie Felix. And, B.J., if you can remember, I said, hey, a lot of those uh, a lot of them Georgia Tech running backs in that transfer port, his eyes kind of lit up like, hey, man, I mean, I want to get on the field as quick as possible. Uh, look, the young man doesn't lack talent. The boy, listen, I don't, I look like look like a shortstop to me. He look like you're going to play center field for them Yellow Jackets as well. But they are getting them another good one, another gem from down them old Camden County. And, again, Jeff Collins maybe got a big, uh, I guess, commit in someone who came back out of the transfer portal. Uh, Jemias Griffin, one of their running backs who had put in the transfer portal, said he was coming back uh, to Georgia Tech there as well. So, interesting day there for Jeff Collins. We'll talk to Kelly Quinlan about that coming up in just a little bit. But it's, it is the season of, of giving and giving back. Uh, here at the holidays, and we are encouraging you to help us give back. Uh, in Savannah, we're doing a, a toy drive in conjunction with Savannah Feed the Hungry on the 23rd. Uh, Representative Carl Gilliard and Feed the Hungry are going to hold a Christmas dinner, and also at that time, we're going to be giving out unwrapped toys. So we want you to help us out with that and drop off an unwrapped toy at uh, some participating locations at Coach's Corner on Victory Drive in Thunderbolt at Geechee Roots at the uh, Tanger Outlet, the Uniform Source uh, inside the Savannah Mall and uh, down on Duren Avenue. Also, uh, the Hall of Sneakers on West York Street and Cash and Carry on fi- at 500 Staley Avenue. There, drop off an unwrapped toy and those will be given away as part of that big event on the 23rd in conjunction uh, with Feed the Hungry. Yeah, very cool, and we're proud to be a part of it, and so important to think about others uh, constantly. I think that's that's something we all should do, but especially during the holiday season. So any in, anything you can do to maybe help someone less fortunate potentially. I know, Ben, I was you know proud to, to, to just basically ride along with you this morning. Uh, for a project you were working on, and, and uh, it, it's important that we all do that, and this is a great opportunity with Feed the Hungry. You're talking about meals. You're talking about uh, toys, and uh, please help us and, uh, and uh, take part if you can. Absolutely. I mean, Savannah Feed the Hungry, I mean, it, it's all in the name. We get a chance to be able, like you said, uh, Kevin, to be just partnering with them to be able to try to help some of needed families with food as well as toys. There isn't, there isn't a parent out there that, that want to wake up on uh, Christmas morning without their kids uh, having, having gifts. But, yeah, toy, you know, the toy drive. You know, as well as well as the food drive. I mean, I'm, I couldn't be humbler, more humble to be able to, uh, you know, partner with both of those incredible organizations. And obviously, BJ, whatever you got to experience with me today, man, it's just me being me. I, I, it's easy to do for those when you've been one of those kids at one point in your life. I'm not saying I come from the worst of where if my parents did an incredible job. I just know what it's like to wake up on on Christmas morning. You want to be able to have a gift. 
And you know, listen, it's not me, it's not be, me, BJ, and Kevin anymore. We wake up, we try to see, man, is this socks? Yeah, is this the socks I saw you get yesterday? Yeah, I, I got them for you. But no, uh, Savannah, uh, Savannah Feed the Hungry and the, and the Toy Drive, man, we're looking forward to just doing our part. Absolutely. We've got so much more to get you here on the program. We'll take three when we return. Also, uh, Kelly Quinlan, jacketsonline.com, uh, will join us. We'll also hear from Holden Gerner, who committed or committed, signed to play with Auburn today out of Benedictine. Uh, Connor Riley of Dog Nation will join us coming up at the top of the final hour of the program. And Ben's got a big troop talk today as he sits down with Rob Deloach coming up in the final hour of the program as well. So, so much to get to. Don't go anywhere. Hit us up on Twitter. We'd love to hear your thoughts at Pigskin Radio. We're also streaming live ESPNCoastal.com as well as on Facebook and YouTube. So plenty of ways to stay in touch with us here on this uh, first day of early signing period. We're coming right back. Hour two here, three and out. Glad you are with us. We'll chat with Kelly Quinlan, JacketsOnline.com. Also, uh, we'll hear from... Holden Gurner, uh, Benedictine quarterback who signed with Auburn today and going to move on to the SEC West. So a lot to get to here on the program, just an hour number two, but let's take three momentarily here on three and out. Now we're ready. All right, take one. Obviously the big news of the college football day, Travis Hunter, one of the top players in the country, top defensive back. In the country, I think ESPN said that he was number two overall athlete. Uh, will Travis Hunter be a trendsetter with his commitment to Jackson State? Yeah, I think he is. I mean, you're talking about a a, a commitment and a and a signing that uh, changes the conversation, changes the headlines. I mean, look, Alabama's got another top three class. Georgia's got another top three class. You had some big-time quarterbacks go places, but who is everybody talking about today? They're talking about Travis Hunter. What, what what program is everybody talking about today? Jackson State. And, and, and I think that's going to have staying power. And I think if you're a, a, a recruit for a future class, right, you're looking around and, and you're saying, hey, there, there are possibilities. There are opportunities everywhere. And look at what Travis Hunter just did. I want to be like him. I want to follow in his footsteps. I think what he's done uh, is, is, is something that could prove to be a game changer. So a trendsetter, yes. I mean, look at the media narrative now. Look at the headlines right now. And I think as you see more come out about the marketing deal potentially, maybe even more headlines and uh, some reports that could we see more players in this year's class who are four or five stars potentially go to Jackson State or, or, or an HBCU. So, yes, I think there's a chance that, that this becomes more of the norm. Yes, he is a trendsetter. I mean, I'm, because the thing about it is there's no one – no one when, when people talk about flipping, it's power five, it's P5 versus P5. Are you are you pick this one over that one? You're going to Jackson, Jackson State? Yes, he's a trendsetter. Because number one recruit in the country. Everybody knew, oh man, he's going to Florida State. His profile was him with his Florida State stuff on. He goes to he goes to Jackson State. He's a trendsetter for more than just choosing Jackson State. He's a trendsetter because he's he's he wants to show that if I am the number one recruit, I would hope that will put more eyes on me. I would hope that you would want to see what I ended up doing when I got to Jackson State. Now, does that mean that Jackson State gets more publicity? I would think so. I don't know how. It's, it's a bunch of ESPNs out there, but he want to be able to put more. And he knows that if, if the eyes on Jackson State is on my whole team, I appreciate when young men like a guy, you know, you got, a guy like Travis Hunt was on uh, Cam's Newton 7 on 17. So he's the guy that's getting a lot of confidence from some big-time talents. Deion Sanders, that's his idol. 
Cam Newton get, let him travel around the country to go play. I think they won the championship game in Dallas. This is a young man, you know, Kevin and BJ, we watched him grow up. We just assumed he was going to be heading to Tallahassee and not Jackson, Mississippi. He's telling other guys, hey, man, this might be the only time you have this leverage. Your recruiting class. So I, I it is a trendsetter. He got every listen, everybody who is an analyst for college football is up in arms, either on his side or going against him. But you telling me the coaches go to colleges for the money, don't they? No one says a word. God forbid the amateur goes for the money. Who just happened and he just happens to be taking advantage of what the rule is now. He also just happens to be the number one recruit in the 2022 class, who just happens to be going to Jackson State, who happens to be playing in the Celebration Bowl. Yes, he is a trendsetter, he is a pioneer, he is a trailblazer. And I will hope that the next number one recruit, you better hope you better hope the upsetters ain't in Jackson State, or he might be heading to Mississippi. Well, I, I I think he's a trendsetter, but not because he went to Jackson State. I think that happened for a number of factors because yeah. it's Deion Sanders, and here's where I do think he's the trendsetter. He went to a school where he had an NIL seemingly already set up for multi-millions of dollars. Now, is that good for everybody? No, uh, but I don't think that's unreasonable to think that the next year's number one uh, guy and the next year's number one guy is not going to go to college with some kind of package already in place wherever he goes. Now, at the end of the day, I think if it's a Netflix show or whatever, that's where he's going to make his money, but I do think... He didn't necessarily set a trend for players continuing to go there because I do think at the end of the day, a lot of guys will still want to go to Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia, Oklahoma. Why? Because you're on a big stage, big spotlight, playing for the national championship uh, on college football's biggest stage potentially. And I still think a lot of guys will want to do that and don't think that other schools aren't sitting back going, well, I mean, geez, if they can potentially have people work out a deal to go to Jackson State, I mean, we got – Ten times the alumni they do. We certainly can find somebody uh, that can work deals for these guys. So I think that's where he's the trendsetter is the top commit walks in with a deal. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily you're, you're going to start going to Tennessee State and things like yeah. that as the number one, number two recruit. But I, but I also want to say this. When we think about HBCUs and their impact on the National Football League or the kind of great players come through there, this is what Shannon Sharp, Savannah State, uh, you know, uh, you, you, you talk, when you talk about uh, Jerry Rice, Mississippi Valley State, when you talk about, you know, guys that, you know, Michael Strahan, Texas Southern, you know, Walter Payton, Jackson State, there are guys that didn't have five five stars next to their name. They were number one overall recruits, but they was at HBCU, the people saying, who's going to be the next great one? Well, no one thought that the next great one would be the number one recruit in the country. Yes, the NIL has something to do with it. No, no. NIL got something to do with everybody now, depending on what school you go to. Not just freaking Travis Hunter, but it's the impact. It's bringing attention back to the HBCUs. That's what's making him a trendsetter because people are like, wait a minute. Hugh Jackson at Grambling? Yeah. Oh, and the Georgia TSU? Yeah. So one guy can do that. Now, he got to have a star power with Deion Sanders to go with it, but yes. I do, I do agree, Kevin. It's a lot to factor in, but if you're 18 years old and you got leverage, what are you going to do with it? Oh, it's, it, it's, it's the, the money. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it's the, it's the money plays a huge part in it as well. Moving along, take two. Who has a better recruiting pitch right now, Alabama or Georgia? And maybe the two best classes in the country right there, no surprise, with, with Alabama and Georgia. It's close, and the gap is you know not, not what it was, but I still think it's Alabama because Alabama can come in and say, yes, look at what Georgia's doing. Those guys are, 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 are right there, but they're right there behind us. We have the national championships, Georgia, and they may get it this year, mm-hmm. but Georgia does not. And I think furthermore, most specifically, you can say, look, we played these guys a couple of times. 
and we've won every time. Yeah, it was close. I mean, you go back to the Tua game. You go back to the Jalen Hurts game. But we've played them, and we've won. Look mm-hmm. at what happened recently in mm-hmm. the SEC championship game. So Georgia's momentum is almost unparalleled. Uh, Georgia is the team to watch right there with Alabama every recruiting season. But if you're telling me who can make that kind of that .01% uh, of an extra pitch, I think it's Alabama because they do have the recent championships. They do have the recent wins over Georgia. And though it's close, and though it's close, that – I think that's the difference when you're comparing what the two programs are offering right now. Of course, Alabama. When you, when you, when you, when a, when a player is getting recruited by Georgia, come out Alabama, Alabama uh, what position you play? Play receiver? Yeah, want to win the Heisman? Why well, you can win the Heisman? Just had one winner. Oh, what position you play? Oh, I play quarterback. You want to win the Heisman? Just had a quarterback win. Oh, what position you play? I play outside linebacker. Oh man, I outside linebacker. Man, he's leading the nation in tackles for loss and sacks. Oh, you, oh, you want to talk about national championships? Um, uh, since Nick Saban has been here, every recruiting class he's recruited got a national championship. What? You want to play as a freshman? Remember, remember Tua? Yeah, that was a freshman. Remember Najee Harris? That was a freshman. Remember Devonta Smith? Anything you want to name, they got it. Now, if, if you want to go to a team that's good enough, go to Georgia. But they got to play us. Unless you got to play us. So when you talk about it, BJ, at the end of the day, anything, if you check off all the boxes, championships, check. College football playoff, check. Premier, I mean the best, the best, uh, the best brand in football right now, check. And in order to be the man, oh, I'm sorry, we are the man. That's what they say to those other schools. To beat the man, they talking about us. So it's always gonna be Alabama. Well, like I said, five class, I mean, I mean, five five-star recruits ain't the same as having a five-star culture. The five-star culture lives just happens to be in Tuscaloosa. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's right now it's Alabama, the, although the pitches are really, really good. Very good. For, for both. As I said, uh, I don't even know how much the pitch is. Ben, I've told you this on the show. Yep. Alabama and Georgia don't recruit. <laughs> exactly. Nick Saban is not going into anybody's living room begging them to come. He's saying, do you want to come to Alabama or do you not want to come to Alabama? Because we have had a couple Heisman Trophy winners. Come on. We've been in the national, we're in the playoffs every year. We got national championships. If you don't want to come, I'll just go ask this guy. He'll say yes. So I think that's the pitch for, for Georgia and Alabama, right? I mean, is this true? No, 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 no. I mean, it's true. You, you make, they're, they're not recruiting. Like, they, they you know recruiting who's recruiting? Them. Clay Helton's recruiting. Jeff Collins is recruiting. Those guys are those guys oh, yeah. are when, recruiting. When they, when they Nick no Saban names, is asking. And, and if, uh, if, if he's, no, no, Kevin, uh, this, this is the easy way to say it. Kevin, BJ, me, we've all been in a situation where we're waiting on a certain call. But it comes when you least expect it. Hey, so-and-so's on the phone. You know, what? Right now? And you like, hey, hello? You want to make, you want to give your best voice? You want to make sure everything? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, could, I could come right now. I could come today. Because everybody wants to know, right, BJ and Kevin? Like, most people go, hey, man, does Alabama really look like that? Yeah. Are they really that good? Yeah. Like, is it, is, it, is it true they got a wall? They got so many guys that's in the NFL. Yeah, they just give them their own wall. Like, they just, that's the wall for 2022, 2023. But the last team standing. Like, they say they do this thing called, they'll, they'll say, hey, man, take a picture of your ring and just, you know, come back. Because it's that many guys. Like, what? Like, yeah, man. This, and, listen, I played for four years in college. Never had a chance to play the national championship. Played in one of the SEC championship. Those boys like that was having a lot of fun out there. Just imagine if that is your normal. Alabama's normal. Not at all. Like, what, what, what's the year we won? They snapping it. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. We went back to back. I'm just telling you, like, every year they got an anniversary team. Every year. So, Georgia got a really, really good pitch. It's a great place to go play. But them boys, them boys from Tuscaloosa, they got a just a little bit better. Pitch. Yeah. 
just a little bit. Not, and as BJ said, that gap is closing, but yeah. Alabama still throw those championships out there at the end of the day. All right, take three. If you got to announce on National Signing Day, or in Ben, if your case, if you got to do it again uh-huh. for the second time, how would you do it? I would try. And mind you that yeah. Ben committed before, like, the proliferation of social media <laughs> and, like, instantaneous yes. video. There, there I thought you were going to say before the internet. Before the internet. People used to still read the newspaper. It was not before <laughs> the internet, but the internet wasn't like it is now. I mean, it wasn't all green screen. I don't know. Yeah. I would try to keep it as quiet as possible in terms of everybody knowing where I'm going to go, right? Uh-huh. Because that's one thing that's interesting is, for the most part, with a lot of these recruits, you, you kind of know where they're going, and maybe they go out and put it on their own social media, but a lot of times that's part of the reporting. You know, you you, you have uh, folks close who will say, you know, close to the student-athlete, hey, you know, we're considering this school and that school. I would want it to be a complete guess. Now, obviously, you have to communicate with the coaches who are recruiting you, but outside of that, I'm, tell, I'm, I'm looking at my brother going, if you tell anybody. I, I want it to be a complete – because because I think that's the ultimate kind of – awe factor and, yeah. and, and surprise factor is when is when you come out and maybe, you know, people are, yeah, I think he's looking at Georgia and Georgia Tech and, you know, then people have no idea. And think about the Travis Hunter thing today. I mean, there were some people I saw on Twitter this morning saying maybe could, maybe could Georgia be a, a, a flip candidate from Florida State? And then you start to see these reports come out like, wait a second, what? And I think having that surprise and just 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 keeping people on edge and having it be kind of your I, – I think there's something to that. So, who knows if it would be possible, but I think it would be neat to kind of just – people have no idea who you're considering. You haven't said any favorites, and then you come out, here's where I'm going. I, oh, man. You know, these, these, these young people now, they're so, so much more creative than I was. But when I came out of 2000, a lot of my, a lot of my teachers – I didn't realize how big of Georgia fans they were, right? So, I would say, hey, listen, got, you know, you got Tennessee, you got, you got Florida, you got Georgia, you got, the, you got North Carolina, South Carolina. I'm going to put a pie. You sit down in front of the pie, and I, I, got, I got a school. What they say? The pie, you know, pie, pie you know, pie, you know. So, and, I, and what I'm going to do is, uh, Kevin, I'm going to go up to him. I'm going to say, you know, if it's not there, you're getting the pie in the face. But if you, but if if, if, if <laughs> what I'm, I'm gonna put a, if, if that's not a school I'm, I'm gonna hit you in the face with a pile. Like, hey, I love am it. I going to South Carolina? Oh, nope. Am I going to? And at a certain point, Kevin, they're gonna be like, hey, wait a minute, dude. He going because because I think what happens is I wasn't the type of player to where I just wanted to get it signed. Like I wanted to get it signed so fast, but BJ, I wasn't a Travis Hunter and how these guys is coming out and you know it's like they got their celebration. I remember when when Kim Dietschy came out. He out there with like a like a you know like a he got a nice little suit on. I would come up with, but I would do the pie in the face. I, I really really just because it's halfway. I want to do it another. I want to just put up you know smash a pie in one of my teachers' faces. And the thing is too, I probably would have put the, I probably would have put the pie in the face of the guy who had the Florida hat on. I still would have put it on. But hey, I, it, it would have been something creative. I, I definitely with the pie. Though, I, I wasn't really really that creative when I did. It was in mine was in the library. It was like this. Hey man, go home and come back and go put on something nice. You finna sign. Came back in there, you know, Kevin the BJ is all, you know, it's all the uh, Augusta, you know, uh, Augusta Chronicle and all these different, uh, you know, TV networks in there. And it was a dude by the name of George Myers. He was a meteorologist. I used, growing up, I used to want to be a meteorologist. I used to be scared to death of weather. Back then, I would have said, tell, tell George Myers to come in here because he got that TV voice. Welcome to, you know, welcome to W, you know, on that TLC. He, he had it, right? WS, I would have wanted him to, like, Michael Buffer that thing. Being true, where we were going, the universe, you know, do my Michael Buffer on with old George Myers. 
So y'all would have did something like that. It wouldn't have been nothing. It would have been like, I wouldn't have did it. I wouldn't have did all that. But Kevin, I mean, I want to know what you would have done. It would have been nothing crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's just not. I mean, is that my personality? No, something no, like no, crazy? no, hold on. But, but, but mind you, okay. But this now, is. I this really is, came up this before. Is, this is 17 year old, 18 year old Kevin. Because Kevin, no, no, I'm gonna say those that don't remember when I was in high school, our computers made noises like this. (laughs) That's how we got on the internet. Was that before the internet? I mean, that's what I. No, that's how you got on the the online. You had to get the little modem. (laughs) Oh, where it goes. I didn't even do that. It was just. It was awful. We didn't have fax machines, so I had to fax that back. They they, they still. I don't care with all the technology. That fax machine better work. Know that. I would try probably do something like BJ just try to not tell anybody. He's like, look, just let it be what it's going to be, and nobody knows. You can, and, and you certainly have a very difficult time doing that oh here in 2020 because somebody's sister's cousin's brother's yes. nephew saw you talking uh, one time. You were, <laughs> you were in the, uh, the lid shop, and you tried on a, uh, an FSU hat. So that means that's where mm-hmm. he's going to go uh-huh. uh, at the end of the day. So, no, it's, uh, it's just absolutely nuts. Uh, how it all plays out. But no, I'd probably try to keep it low-key, try not to let anybody know, and I'd probably do the little hat thing. Okay. Like, I ain't going to lie how old was Travis Hunter, that was not. He just throwing hat mama. Mama, give me that hat. Yeah, and they, they were like, oh, my God, he's going now. <laughs> that's take three. We do it each and every day. This time we'll come back. Kelly Quinlan will join us. He covers the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets for Rivals. They're on Jackets Online, and we're talking about that next here on 3 and Out. <laughs> Oh, this is Leon Thirsty, University of Miami legend, Jaguar legend. You're listening to 3 and Out with BJ, Ben, and Kevin. Good to have you back here, 3 and Out, on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, thanks for making us a part of your day here on this early signing period. Uh, Georgia Tech, Jeff Collins, having a, a big day today, needing one, obviously, after a tough season here in 2020. And joining us here to talk about that. Uh, Kelly Quinlan from JacketsOnline.com, part of the uh, Rivals Network. Uh, Kelly, talk about this class from Jeff Collins and what he was able to accomplish, given all the turnover on the staff and certainly uh, an exodus of guys via the transfer portal. Yeah, you know, it's been interesting. They they obviously lost a big name in Jameer Gibbs. They lose running back coach to Shard Choice. Change offensive coordinators, change two defensive assistants out, and they were able to put together a pretty good class. It's the most four-star guys they've had uh, since the 2007 class, including their first-ever pair of four-star defensive tackles in Horace Lockett and K.J. Miles. Uh, you know, it, it was a smaller class. I think they were impacted by COVID, class numbers. You know, everyone got a free year because of that, so they had a smaller senior class, a smaller window of guys to sign from, but they have a pretty good class. They still have a couple of guys waiting to sign um, in February as well that could really kind of elevate the class a little bit more, but I think they've done a good job. The interesting thing that Georgia Tech did today, too, is unlike a lot of other schools, they didn't announce their um, their transfer portal guys. They're going to do that, like, next week. So that could also kind of uh, shade the class a lot differently as well as they have some pretty big-name kids they are trying to get out of the portal as well. But all in all, a good day for Jeff Collins. You mentioned the two big defensive tackles. Uh, 
is that where the focus was? Where's where were kind of the the, the positions of emphasis for Jeff Collins with this class? Yeah, there were two kind of main things. I think shoring up that defensive line's been an issue really since they got here. They addressed that with Lockett and and KJ, and then I think you know you look at the running back room. Uh, you know they lose Gibbs, they lost um, JP Mason to the draft, and they had Jemias Griffin recommit. He went into the portal and came back. They have Dante Smith back, and then everyone else was gone basically from last year. So they had two returning running backs. They signed Antonio Martin from. Langston Hughes, and they signed Jamie Felix from Camden County. And I think that gives them a nice kind of one-two punch, guys who do things a little bit differently. Antonio's a real powerful back, kind of a power downhill guy. And Jamie's, you know, more versatile in terms of maybe being a little more like an all-purpose guy, especially as he gets healthier. I mean, I know it always come back to the quarterback position. I mean, get a big player, you know, Zach Pyron. Talk about what type of player he is, and uh, do you expect him to be more of a downfield passing guy, or is this – is really get him to the system, see what he really brings to the table. Zach's a gamer. I had a chance to go watch him play uh, this season. and He didn't have a lot of weapons around him. Their team was down a little bit. They had won three straight state championships. and He uh, he was just a gamer guy. He can run around, make things happen with his feet, is, has a really good arm, can throw downfield. You know, has that nice kind of all-complete package quarterback, not a guy that's, you know, what you would call a runner first, not a, you know, maybe deep, touch guy all the time but just a guy with a good all-around quarterback game I think it's a a great fit for what they need in terms of just trying to have a more balanced quarterback with as they make the adjustments to Chip Long's offense to the new offensive coordinator. Hey Kelly you look on again defensive side a couple of DBs I know Jeff Collins came in he said look we want to be a bigger physical uh, type team especially on the edge a 6-2 and a 6-3 defensive back in this class. Yeah, that's been something that he's really preached since he got here. The transfers they've taken and some of the kids they've signed out of high school have been longer. And they were able to do that. Clayton Powell leads a legacy kid that they were able to pick up from Westlake, and they go down to Florida and get uh, Jalen Marshall, who's got good length. Both can play all three spots. They can play safety corner or nickel. Um, so it'll just depend on kind of where they're needed. And, that you know, that's been a strength of this team. They've had a lot of numbers in the secondary, but – I think they needed to kind of revamp that a little bit. They, they've done a part of it now. I'm, I'm curious to see if they sign another defensive back. Uh, they added a kid named Rod Shelley as well. Who's probably going to play safety for them as well. It was a late signee, also a teammate of Antonio Martin that likes Hughes. He can also return kicks, so that gives them another element there as well. And, you know, the next step sort of there is seeing if they had anyone else in the portal for the secondary because the secondary was a huge part of the defensive issues they had last year. You mentioned Jamie Felix earlier, a uh, running back from Coastal Georgia. What type of playmaker is he, and could he see some early playing time uh, in Atlanta? Yeah, I think that uh, both the kids they signed um, out of high school were going to have an opportunity to play this year. Jamie obviously had a pretty devastating injury a year ago um, with his ham, hamstring and came back and, and started to light things up. And I think he's still he's a guy who's undervalued right now because of an injury in high school. He was a four-star national recruit prior to the injury. I think this was, you know, a great find for them to find a kid that people are sleeping on a little bit because he got hurt and couldn't maybe run as fast as he used to. And I think with, you know, proper strength and conditioning, you'll get him back to where he was, if not better. And then you've gotten a steal on a kid that would normally go to Florida, Florida State, those kind of places that ends up at Georgia Tech, especially a kid from coastal Georgia where they don't, 
typically sign a lot of kids. You know, I mean, Aquilo Stone. Um, I'm trying to think of who else is on the team right now from that area. It's not a lot. So it's a good area for them to dip their toe in. And um, they recruit that Jacksonville area south of there better, but they need to kind of get some more kids from that whole coastal Georgia area as well. And, Kelly, I mean, with so much turnover, when you talk about the transfer portal, having a lot of these, I mean, with this with this uh, class coming in, who is going to have to be a key contributor probably sooner rather than later because of trying to be able to fill some key holes in this class? I mean, right now I think you really look at Zach Pyra and the quarterback. He's one of two scholarship quarterbacks they have right now. Chaden Perry, who is the other quarterback on the roster, other than Jeff Sims, Chaden entered the portal uh, today. Jordan Yates already entered the portal, who was also quarterback, and Tred Beatty retired medically, who was um, the, the other quarterback on the roster was on scholarship. So, you know, they only have two scholarship quarterbacks. Zach's going to need to grow up fast. They'll probably have someone via the portal, but I think that's a spot where someone's going to play immediately. I do think both young running backs play, and I think offensive line's another spot we haven't touched on yet, but they have some immediate needs there, especially the inside and the guard box. Signed a couple really talented guys, Tyler Gibson and, and Brandon Best, that can kind of shore up that piece as well. Both of them can play multiple positions on the line. So, And then I also think they're going to add transfer portal pieces, at least two offensive linemen via the portal uh, before before spring ball probably starts. I was going to say, Kelly, I know you, uh, you've talked with folks back and forth on Twitter that, hey, uh, W's are the most important thing for for Jeff Collins right now uh, to show this thing is going in a positive direction. How important is what happens in the transfer portal for them from here moving forward to try to do that? It seems like with the transfer portal, not saying it guarantees a championship, but you can go from a team that's kind of been underachieving, mediocre, to a team that can improve with some more experienced guys relatively quickly. Yeah, I think they have a couple of spots where, you know, they could upgrade immediately. They picked up a tight end that's going to, you know, be uh, coming in named Luke Benson from Syracuse, who gives them a vertical threat at tight end, which they haven't had. Really, since they've been here, they need um, offensive linemen really badly that can come in and at least compete for a starting job, especially at guard. They have a couple of targets still floating around in that mix. Um, the biggest name. You know, Paul Teo, who's a kid from Milton High School, and then um, the other one, oh, I'm blanking out on who it is, but they have one other big offensive line target um, that's in the portal at the moment. Oh, Riley Quick from Alabama. And, um, you know, if they can land both those guys, that would be huge. I think both could step in and start immediately, and that's where you're going to see. That's where you can make your bones, right? If you can find guys that can come in and plug and play for you for one year, kind of bridge some gaps as you develop players. I think that's the biggest thing that they need right now. Kelly Quinlan, Jackets Online, our guest here on 3 and Out. Kelly, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Kelly Quinlan joining us here on the program as Jeff Collins with his early signing class addressing needs, as uh, obviously everybody wants to, but he is a guy that B.J. and Ben probably needs to really utilize that portal as you've gone three wins, three wins, three wins, need to show some progress here pretty quickly and I think you may even as Kelly said look to the portal for some quarterback help uh, potentially but I really am excited about Jamie Felix you heard Kelly mention the injury and bouncing back he was all smiles today uh, Ben when you and I visited with him down in Camden County and explosive fast one thing you know we're talking about watching the highlights earlier great vision too and I think that's an underrated trait sometimes for for a running back because you talk about all oh, the big runs and you talk about you know the the speed but I really like the way watching the clips he you know immediately found the hole boom was right there so I think to have 
Felix and another running back potentially able to play right away. I think to have defensive tackles yeah. who are college-ready is yeah. very important. So I think it was impressive that Jeff Collins not only got a quarterback he thinks can play right away, multiple running backs and multiple defensive tackles. I give Coach Collins a lot of credit for being able to fill needs. I mean, when you talk about the transfer portal, people think it's going to be a player here, a player there, not – you know, uh, I mean, a bunch of players just hitting the portal all at one time. I do think Kevin and BJ, when you talk about guys, they get to come in and compete. Every last one of these guys get to come in and compete, not because, you know, not because it's no so much, so much as like you got holes to fill. This is a team that's still trying to figure out what its identity is, and you always want the guy uh, that just got here to push those guys, to push those veteran guys. He mentioned Aquilo Stone, the guys, you know, uh, from from the nine one two. They're gonna get pushed now with guys that's coming in, but I think I. I just I look at recruiting. I could care less about what where your class rank. Did you feel holes? Because you don't want to go out there and recruit. You know I don't know ten DBs and, and receivers, and you need D linemen. You need O linemen. Feel holes. Make sure guys are pushing those guys that's already on campus. Or who knows, man? You might find a, you know you might find a, a gem in one of these guys. We've got more to come here on three and out. When we come back, we'll hear from Holden Gurner, Benedictine quarterback, signed with Auburn uh, today, heading to the SEC West. We'll hear from him next here on three and out. Hello, this is Chris Hatcher, head coach of the Sanford University Bulldogs, and you're listening to 3 and Out with B.J., Ben, and Kevin. What a great early signing day it has been. A lot of players up and down uh, the coast here in southeast Georgia signing their national letters of intent to move on to the next level, as our next guest did as well just a few moments ago at a ceremony there at Brunswick High to sign his letter of intent to play for Florida State. Big offensive lineman for the Pirates. Kaniah Charlton joins us here on 3 Now. Kaniah, welcome to the show. How are you? I am great. Thank you for having me. What has this process been like uh, for you? I know you committed to Florida State uh, a, a little while back, but uh, to, to finally get it uh, signed, sealed, delivered today, what's what's it all been like for you? It's, it's been amazing. Like, it's the experience I had with it, just the recruitment process with the coaches there. They are amazing people, like, on and off the field. Like, they really want you to be the best person you can be. And that's really what re- brought me to them because not all coaches want that for you. Some coaches just want you to be good on the field. Some want you to be good off the field. But they they are the rare breed of both. They want you to be good on and off the field, and that's just amazing. How did you weigh all of the factors from, you know, the program to playing time to, like you said, the field, the opportunities on the field, off the field? What was it like trying to weigh all that in, in making your decision? At the beginning of it, it was kind of hard. Because I want, I wanted to take all of my visits and everything, take everything in. But as I started to really sit down and think about it, Florida State, what they say, they always say, find the best fit for you, right? And with that, I thought about what would be the best fit for me. Like, wasn't even talking about playing time and anything. I was really talking about what place would I be the most happy with living there and being in the city. And Tallahassee stood out because of the people that I was able to meet while I was down there and all of that. 
Coach Norvell is the guy that's obviously, you know, trying to get our Florida State back to the promised land. You keep on talking about him, you know, talking about you as a person. How, at what point in that process of you talking to him did you realize not only does he care about me, like you said, as a player, he cares about me as a person, which is rare when you talk about head coaches? I, I noticed that real early in the process. I think it was – I went there for a junior day. That's when I noticed it. It was an amazing experience. I went there you, just to hear his energy when he talked about the players and how they are good on and off the field, that just fired me up and wanted me, just intrigued me even more to want to find out more about him and his coaching style and the school. Hey, can I, you've talked about the, the, the process and you talk about the relationship you've had with the coaches at Florida State, but uh, you go and, and, and read up about uh, the recruiting process for him. I mean, you had your choice uh, of, of schools around the Southeast and, how did you kind of block out some of the noise when you have teams from the SEC, ACC, all trying to get a piece of your time, trying to tell you about where they want to go and say, listen, i got to block all that out and ultimately make this decision? What kind of was, for people who don't understand, what was that like when you have so many schools trying to get a piece of your time and attention so they can recruit you to their school? Well, to be able to block all of that out, because you're right, I had offers from Every, well, not everywhere, but mostly all the colleges in the southeast, especially the big-time colleges. And to be able to block all of that out, because I, what I usually think about, I think about football and the education and, like, family, like how the school makes me feel. And Florida State was the one that stood out to me the most. Like, the football program, right now we aren't the best, but we are making strive to get better. And I want to be a part of that process as we make a change the whole thing around and start winning like how we used to and everything. So what type of player is uh, Florida State getting? I know you've been a big-time offensive lineman. Uh, tell fans about your game and uh, what makes you so effective. You know, to be honest, a lot of people, everybody has different opinions on me and how I play, but one thing I like to say about myself that I know about myself is the job, like you give me a job, I'm going to get it done to the best of my ability no matter what because I want the team to win. It's not about me at the end of the day. It's about the team because I can have the best game of my career, but if we still lose, we lost as a team. So I just try to do the best I could do to help the team win no matter what. Even that's putting my body on the line and all of that, I try to do the best I can do. All the, a bunch of schools in the Southeast, as you mentioned, that uh, you know wanted your services, but now you know you you decided to take your talents to Tallahassee. It's got to feel good to know that your cell phone gonna stop ringing from all these crazy uh, <laughs> all these crazy area codes saying we we want you to come play for us because you say, listen, man, I'm a Seminole. My recruitment is officially over with. Yes, this is an amazing experience to be able to have that. Not power, not so much power, but to be able to express yourself like that. Saying I'm done, I'm committed, I'm signed, and this is the school that I'm going to, and this is where I'm going to keep my mindset in. To be able to do that, it's an amazing feeling. Kanaya Charlton, our guest here on Three and Out, out of uh, Brunswick High School. Can I really appreciate the time? Congratulations, uh, and best of luck to you as you move to uh, to Tallahassee to play for the Seminoles again. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. Kanaya Charlton, out of Brunswick High School, signing with Florida State, and again, a guy that said, look, I wanted the full package. It was where did I fit best, how to like the coaches, and he said, 
where did I want to live for the next two or three years? And Tallahassee was a great spot for him, and they are getting a large individual on that offensive line, 6'5", 350. He'll fit in where they need some help there on that offensive line. Listen, he, he, uh, he makes a living at moving people against their will. That's what he do. <laughs> That's what he's going to continue to do. But I, I'm super-duper happy for him. Once again, Brunswick High putting out another big-time D1 talent. Absolutely. We've got more to come here on 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. We're streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com. Love to hear from you on Twitter, at Pigskin Radio, at Pigskin Radio Final Hour coming up right around the corner here on 3 and Out. Welcome back, three and out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network final hour of the show. Ben, we'll have troop talk coming up here in just a little bit, but a big day again for Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs. And joining us here on the program from Dog Nation, Connor Riley joins us. Connor, welcome. How are you? Doing good, guys. Glad to be back on. Hey, appreciate you coming on. And just within the last little bit, it's been a productive afternoon here for uh, for Kirby Smart, one of the top uh, edge rushers uh, committing to Georgia. Yeah, they land Marvin Jones Jr. a few minutes ago out of uh, American Heritage down there in South Florida. It's the biggest pickup Georgia could have gotten of the day. It's a huge win for Kirby Smart and his staff, especially to land him after you know Dan Lanning leaves and Dan Lanning would have been his position coach to head off to Oregon be the head coach there. Outside linebacker is a real position of need for Georgia right now, especially if Nolan Smith potentially goes off to the NFL draft. So to land a guy as talented and as promising as Marvin Jones Jr., who Dad, by the way, played in the NFL for quite some time. It's a huge win for Kirby Smart today. We've seen some great classes, obviously, over the years at Georgia. Uh, how does this one compare? Um, it's certainly up there. Granted, this one's a little bit bigger because of some changes by the NCAA in recent in, in this cycle to allow more players to sign. Georgia's going to potentially sign as many as 30 players in this class, but you have an incredible all-time defensive backhaul that ranks right up there with best position group signings Georgia has had under Kirby Smart. You have some promising skill players, guys like Oscar Delp out of West Forsyth High School, Branson Robinson out of Mississippi. As it stands right now, they have five five-star signees in this class that could potentially grow as well there. So I don't know if it's quite as good as maybe that 2018 class where Kirby just signed, I think, seven five-stars in that class. But talent-wise and point-wise, they're going to sign, I think, close to 12 top 100 players. It's hard to do much better than that. And, Connor, when you think about the fact that uh, this, this uh, Georgia defense is probably going to be losing some big-time key contributors, you mentioned if Nolan Smith decides to move on uh, to the NFL draft, which one of these guys that you know on the defensive side get, can be an earlier contributor than, uh, than wanted to because obviously they're trying to fill some roles? Yeah, I think the guy to, to keep in mind there is Malachi Starks. He's an easy answer because he is Georgia's top signee, the number 14 player in the country, but as athletic as any prospect Georgia has ever signed, he's going to start off as playing a defensive back, but he could play linebacker. Quite frankly, he could even play on the offensive side of the ball if Georgia really wanted to use him there, but he's a guy that's going to be able to come in, complete for early playing time there, potentially at the star position, maybe at the safety position for Georgia, and I think be a guy that could potentially make an impact. I would also include Marvin Jones Jr., who they just landed uh, for reasons we had just stated. I was going to say, Connor, how unusual is that? You think about programs like Alabama and Georgia, and you say they're just reloading. They've got guys waiting for their turn to play, but with the number of guys that Georgia can lose to the next level, uh, how many of those guys do you think realistically are going to get an opportunity to 
to see significant snaps right away, even with as well as Georgia has recruited over the last three or four years? Yeah, defensively, and this goes for Georgia as a whole, if you're good enough, you can play here as a freshman. Look on the offensive side of the ball. Brock Bowers led the team in every major statistical receiving category this year. So they will—they have shown it, and all the great programs do this. Alabama does this. Uh, LSU, Ohio State, they have done it in recent years as well. If you are a freshman and if you're good enough and if the opportunity presents itself, you have the chance to find early playing time. Obviously, that's heightened a little bit with how much this defense stands to lose. But at the same point in time, you know, Georgia's going to be pretty good with how well they've recruited and how deep this defense is in certain spots. Obviously, replacing a guy like N'Kobe Dean, assuming he goes on to the NFL draft, which I all think he's going to do, isn't going to be easy. But you look at the guys they signed last year, Xavier Sori, Jamon Dumas-Johnson, Shmuel Munden. Those guys are going to be really interesting players to watch as they develop going forward as well. Who on the offensive side of the ball stands out in this class? I think the guy that I would personally go with right now is Oscar Delp. Uh, you know, maybe Brock Bowers eats into a little bit of his playing time in the tight end room. He used to be very talented with what Georgia brings back next year. But this, everything Brock Bowers did this year, Oscar Delp fits that same athletic model, athletic mold to a T. He's able to go across the middle and make big catches, 6'5", 220. Looks more like a receiver than a tight end, but is physical enough to hold up in the in point of attack in terms of blocking. He's obviously going to enroll early, and he's going to have an uphill fight for playing time that, quite frankly, Brock Byers didn't necessarily have a season ago. But if you're asking me long-term, Oscar Delp could do a lot of things that we saw Brock Byers do this year. And, Connor, because of what Brock Bowers did this year, as you mentioned, leading uh, Georgia in every major category receiving-wise, is, is Georgia going to go more with uh, featuring the tight ends more or maybe even the slot position to go from let the pass the game be more from the inside out instead of trying to work from the perimeter back inside? Yeah, I, I think that's something to monitor. I, they've just been so banged up at wide receiver this year. You know, Beyond George Pickens and Dominic Blaylock, Jermaine Burton has struggled to stay healthy. Curtis Jackson has st- struggled to stay healthy this year that it was really hard to get consistent looks there in the middle uh, with that wide receiver rotation. So if they're able to stay healthy, I believe there's a ton of talent in this wide receiver room. And so obviously having a guy like Brock Bowers opened things up over the middle there. But you've got talented outside options, in my opinion, Jermaine Burton, Arian Smith, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint. Those guys just have to get healthy and stay on the field, and we haven't been able to really see that this year. Connor, again, Kirby gets another big-time quarterback in Gunnar Stockton. That quarterback room uh, going to be stacked. Uh, when you look at Gunnar Stockton, he brought a huge resume. He's bringing a huge resume uh, to Athens. What does that quarterback competition look like uh, in that room where you're starting to, to stack up a couple of five-stars that obviously want to see the field? Yeah, I'll say this about Gunnar, and Kirby mentioned this today. He is about as as different a type of cat as you will find at the quarterback position. Uh, he did not do any of the major recruiting events this offseason. He is not interested in, in any attention whatsoever. He just wants to go out there and play football. He is very different from the traditional quarterbacks that we see in guys who, well, if I'm not getting my way, I'm going to hit the transfer portal early on. I expect Gunnar Stockton to stay at Georgia for the long haul, regardless of who the quarterback is, spinning it forward, obviously. You know, I think Brock Vandergriff is a guy to really watch and how he develops this spring. We'll see what happens with JT Daniels, Stetson Bennett, who do have an extra year of eligibility. I feel like we'll get the answers we need to get on them in January. I think Vandergriff, to me, going into this spring, is the guy that I am most interested in seeing develop. On the field, off the field, Alabama's the standard. Uh, was Georgia able to go head-to-head against Alabama and, and maybe get some recruits? And overall, how does this class compare to what Alabama just signed? 
Yeah, Alabama and Georgia again, uh, one, two, three. I think Texas A&M is actually going to finish with the number one recruiting class in the country, but I sort of talked about this yesterday. Georgia to really, I think, have a successful signing period. They needed to go head-to-head against Alabama and win some recruitment. They did that in landing five-star cornerback Dalen Everett yesterday. They did that today in landing five-star edge rusher Marvin Jones, Jr. Obviously, Georgia first needs to beat them on the field first and foremost, and I think they'll get a chance to do that in the national championship game. But continuing to win, obviously, you're not going to beat Alabama for everybody. There's a reason they've recruited as well as they have in recent years. But continuing to land big-time recruits and beat out Alabama's for the likes of Michael Williams, Marvin Jones Jr., Dalen Everett, Malachi Starks, landing those guys is still really important, and it shows that despite what we saw in the championship game, Georgia's still going to string together elite recruiting classes. And, Colonel, I know you already spoke a little bit about the quarterback room, but how much does a guy like Stetson Bennett do for the brand of Georgia football? Obviously, he's not you know, going to win most eye tests just looking at him, but how much did he help the brand of Georgia football the last couple of years, and even this year, you know, take it to another level, being one of the last four teams standing? Yeah, I, I hope that when this season ends and when Stetson's career ends, we're able to, and everyone is able to take a step back and appreciate all that Stetson was able to do. Nobody thought that he would be put in this situation, and other than two games really against Alabama and a game against Florida where he got hurt, he's done everything that has been asked of him and exceeded in that, in that situation. He was undefeated as a starter for Georgia this year, winning big road games at Auburn and at Tennessee. And he's a guy who you know has exceeded all sort of expectations and shown, hey, sometimes in life you just need a chance and an opportunity to make the most of it. I hope when we get through the end of this that the Alabama losses don't end up defining how people think about Stetson because he's been an incredible representative for this university. I can't imagine more people handling the criticism that he gets on a daily basis, the vitriol that he sort of sees online, handling it better than Stetson Bennett. Connor Riley, Dog Nation, joining us here on 3 and Out. And, and Connor, obviously it's the early signing period as Georgia done. Is there more to come uh, here with the Dogs? And certainly the transfer portal has been a hot topic does Georgia, Georgia utilize the transfer portal for a guy or two here in this process? Yeah, so one, Georgia is never done on the recruiting trail. And, you know, sort of with the way the calendar is set up, January 8th, the All-American Bowl, you'll have a couple of guys announced there, Ernest Green, Christian Miller. Those are two prospects that Georgia is very much in on and could potentially land there as well. There are obviously some names to follow and monitor as well for the February signing date. But despite as well as Georgia has signed and recruited in recent years, I fully expect them to dip into the transfer portal once again to address some of their needs. I think secondary is a spot. We heard Kirby Smart today. Even with this incredible defensive backhaul all that they brought in, they're still not where they need to be from a numbers standpoint. So you think they might go get some help there. I think outside linebacker, even with the additional Marvin Jones Jr., I could see edge rusher being an area where Georgia targets. And I think wide receiver as well. If there's a potential difference maker that enters the portal at the wide receiver spot, I would expect to see Georgia sort of target that and go after that position moving forward. So roster management, while today and pre-transfer portal years were sort of thought as sort of a major benchmark, it's going to continue, and the roster churn and who's going where, that interest is going to continue, not just throughout January and February, but even in the March, May, April, as we saw last year when guys like Darian Kendrick and Eric Gilbert joined the team in June. Switching gears, we're a couple of weeks out from uh, the Orange Bowl. On paper, how do you think Georgia matches up with Michigan? I think they match up a lot better with Michigan than they do Alabama. Uh, this game's going to be low scoring. It's going to be a rock fight. Uh, but I'd be very surprised if Michigan finds success against this Georgia defense the way Alabama found success. Granted, Michigan wants to be the, uh, a running team. They want to be a physical team. 
I just think that plays right into Georgia's hands. As, as, as Alabama showed, you have to beat this Georgia team through the air, stretching them, hitting them with explosive plays on the outside with talented wide receivers. I'm not quite sure Michigan has that in their tool belt, in their arsenal. And so if they're going to have to play the way that they've played against an Iowa, against an Ohio State, I think that plays into what Georgia wants to do defensively. And this Michigan defense, while it has two stud pass rushers in Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo, I think there are parts of this Michigan defense that you can attack and can find a way to win against. So I think this matchup sets up well for Georgia, and I do think they're going to end up winning in that Orange Bowl. And, Connor, I mean, with so much talk about the defense uh, for Georgia this year, rightfully so, how much is this going to be a spotlight game for those five guys in front of Stetson Bennett? Because, as you mentioned, those two stud defensive ends who could definitely wreck a game for you. Yeah, and, and I'll say this. I thought the Georgia offensive line played pretty well against Alabama. You didn't hear Will Anderson's name called all that much. And Jamari Sawyer and Warren McClendon, who's from down there in the Brunswick area, they held up great in pass pro, in my opinion, during that game. And so they're going to be asked to do that once again. I think that's where their strengths are. I think both of them are much better pass blockers than run blockers at this point. And, and so it's going to be a showcase game for those two guys. And every chance we've seen them be able to do so, those guys have held up in pass protection. And I think you're going to see that again for Georgia against Michigan. Connor Riley, Dog Nation, our guest here on 3 and Out. Connor, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Yep, no problem. Appreciate it. Connor Riley joining us here. And uh, BJ and Ben, as we talked about, the uh, the rich keep getting richer as uh, – at least through this portion of it, the updated rankings. Texas A&M, as you heard Connor say, maybe the number one, but Georgia and Bama. And I've seen a lot of pundits say Texas A&M, excuse me, Texas A&M, Alabama, Georgia, Alabama, Texas A&M, Georgia, some order, and then a huge gap after those three down to the next kind of level. Yeah, and Georgia's right there. And and I think if you're UGA, what Connor said, I think 12, the top 100, I mean, you can't do much better than that. And I think Georgia is continuing to show that they are one of the national standards. They are one of the top programs in the country. And today was another example of that. Georgia finds a way to keep reloading when everybody else is trying to regroup. That's why you see them being one of the, you know, think about it, Texas A&M beat Alabama. Alabama and Georgia, Alabama beat Georgia. Now they're on a crash course and hopefully have the rematch. Well, those recruiting classes have a lot to do with that. We've got more to come here on 3 and Out on this Wednesday. Hit us up on Twitter. Love to hear from you at Pigskin Radio. We're not victorious. Let no one come back alive. Not that kind of troop. This time. What's up, everybody? I am being Troop. This is Troop talking every week. I try to sit down with one of the best among us, and I don't think it gets much better than my next guest. And when you talk about National Signing Day being able to be a parent of Division One athletes in Savannah, Georgia, you got the Royal family. You got Jalen DeLoach, you know, freshman at VCU. You got Kaylin DeLoach at Florida State. You got Taylor DeLoach at Ohio State. But the originator of all the DeLoaches would be Rob DeLoach, veteran of the U.S. Air Force, proud father, life coach, would inspire to change the lives of our youth. And it's all about the fact that my next guest, the great Rob DeLoach. What's going on today, uh, Daddy Rob? Hey, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me. No, thanks for coming on. And, you know, Papa DeLoach, when you think about everything you've had to deal with, when you talk about National Signing Day, early Signing Day, you went through it first with your daughter, Taylor. And you talk about you talk about your son, Kalen, at uh, Florida State. You talk about your son, Jalen, at VCU. To all the parents out there who – would dream of having their sons and daughters become Division One athletes. Talk about that process a little bit and how it's both a gift and a curse sometimes. Man, it's it's it's, it's very stressful. You know what I mean? When um, we were fortunate enough, you know, for the kids to be uh, pursued by a lot of schools. So in the process 
of elimination, I mean, that's the stressful part because you can only go to one and, um, you know, everybody's pulling at you and everybody's telling you what they can do and how they can make your son and daughter, um, you know, dreams come true. Um, but it's, it's a beautiful experience to go through, but it's also stressful at the same time, just trying to make the right decision. Talking with uh, Rob Deloche, father of Jalen Deloche, uh, 6'9", 215-pound freshman at VCU. Kayla Deloche, 6'1", 220-pound linebacker at Florida State. And his daughter Taylor Deloche, I mean, sprinter, long jumper, four-by-one-meter relay extraordinaire. Co- Coach Deloach, Rob Deloach, uh, you talk about the factory. You talk about it. It's not just about your kids. It's about the kids in that in that community that you that you uh, live in and came up in. What 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 makes those kids something that near and dear to your heart to make sure that you're not just doing it for your sons and daughters, but you're doing it for the sons and daughters of that community, the people that you uh, that you grew up around and uh, you neighbors with, and you seem to be uh, doing a great job with it. Well, just trying to give them opportunities, you know, to see that you know you can make it being from Savannah, Georgia. Um, if you put in the hard work, um, your discipline, you have some opportunities. So I just try to show the vision um, and express to them things that I did with my children, a lot of the sacrifices that I made as a dad, a lot of sacrifices that my wife Ivy made um, to make sure that these kids got an opportunity. And a lot of it's because, you know, I didn't have these opportunities. So you have opportunity to, to help someone. And I want their parents to be on National Sign of Day smiling just like I was. So that's my goal when I'm working with young folks, young people, is that if you want that opportunity, it takes a lot of discipline, a lot of hard work, and a lot of sacrifice. Veteran United States Air Force, proud father, life coach, inspired to change the lives of our youth. The factory, it ain't for everybody. Now, when I read that, it ain't for everybody. I know, uh, I know, Rob. When you hear, you get a, you get a lot of people that want to be a part of helping these kids, but the work has to be done. Just talk about how you know it's that sacrifice. You know, day in the day, and you mentioned your wife Ivy, who obviously had to make the greatest sacrifice when when being able to give give up her time for, or you giving up your time for those kids. Just talk about just it has to be something that's in you. It can't be something that you just want to do. No, it's a lifestyle. You have to choose to want to be better. You know, if you want to be average, then you can just sit at home and don't do anything. But if you want to be great at whatever craft you have to do, you have to put in work, whether it's being an A student, whether it being a good football player, good basketball, a good track person, whatever that is, you have to do the extra work. And what we do over here at the factory is basically a um, tutorial for young men and women that want to get better at their particular craft, not only on the field, but as a young person in life, you know, we teach a lot of life skills. We teach discipline, accountability, teamwork. Um, and at the same time, we get bigger, faster, stronger at the same time. And it, it's just a joy to see kids come in that really, really want to do it. And, it, it, you know, we have pleasure. We've been successful with kids have an opportunity to go off to college. that come back home and, they, you know, they share their experience. And, they, you know, they tell us, hey, Coach, we appreciate you guys investing in us. So, it's, it's a blessing, you know, to be able to be fortunate enough to work with my partner, Sam Carter, who I would say is the best in the business at what we do over here. And I'm just fortunate enough to be a part of it. And, and like I said, we're just having fun uh, mentoring these young people, man. And um, we continue to, you know, preach their success and their family's success as they move forward in life. Rob Deloach, the uh, father of Jalen Deloach, 6'9", 215-pound freshman at VCU. Kayla Deloach, a 6'1", 220-pound deep uh, linebacker at Florida State. And his daughter, Taylor Deloach, uh, you, know, uh, you know, a sprinter extraordinaire as well as a long jumper up there at Ohio State. Rob, when you, when you th- 
you know, today today is uh, you know, uh national, you know, early signing day. And you think about the fact that a lot of these parents are hoping that their sons and some of their daughters even get a chance to uh, make their dreams come true. That process, though, is not something that most parents really experience. As we talked about earlier, everybody wants to be in this position, but as you mentioned, you can only pick one school. How crazy is that week of early signing day or national signing day when you look at it, the fact that your son, you know, uh, you know, Kalen probably had his pick of the litter, but he only could pick one. Your daughter Taylor probably had her pick of the litter, only could pick one. K- Jalen had to decide where he's going to play. How crazy is that week of and maybe the day of when they got to put pen to paper? Man, it's sleepless nights, man. It's a lot of anxiety because ultimately we as a family want to make sure that we are making, you know, the best decision for them, not short term, but long term. So, you know, you have to put some things on the board and, and, and ask yourself as a family, um, what is it that we're expecting if they decide to go to this school? So there are pros and cons. So you basically have to, you know, get your board, write it out. You know, we prayed about it um, up until the day of signing, you know. And it's, it's, it's just stressful. I guess that's the easiest way for me to put it. It's stressful. But you got to do your homework. And I was very diligent in doing my homework on every coach that recruited my kids, and and I was able to ask a lot of questions about their program, their success, what are their expectations. You can't be afraid to ask questions to these coaches that come and say they want to recruit your son or daughter. Rob DeLoach, I mean, uh, founder of The Factory in Savannah, Georgia, veteran in the United States Air Force, proud father, life coach, inspired to change the lives of these youth. It ain't, it ain't for everybody. I think that's something that's very, very important, Rob, when you think about the fact that at the end of the day, this is a grown man trying to recruit your son who is a who is a young man or your daughter who is a young lady, and you have to protect them, one, as a father, but two, understanding that, look, there are going to be questions that my sons or daughters ain't going to know how to ask you or are going to be afraid to ask you that I'm going to ask you, and I'm not necessarily just asking you for my children. I'm asking you for those that came by, that's going to be coming behind them because if you can't give me a definitive answer, I know you want them to play as an athlete, but are you going to look at them as a person, you know, when, when they playing days is over with or setting them up for that? Yeah, that's, that's part of it. And, you know, to parents, you know, when coaches come, they're going to tell you what you want to hear, and you're going to agree to it. But a lot of times you got to do your homework and, 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 you know, challenge them to give you the answers on how they're going to prepare your son or daughter for life after the game. As, as You know, as we all know, that you only can do it for so long. So I had a deliberate list of questions that I, that I asked, and if they couldn't give me an answer, I gave them time to get back with me. Um and it's all about a fit and everything that you do when you're talking about recruiting and making a decision on a college, it has to be a good fit. And your son or daughter has to be realistically wanting to put in the work. You know, um, you, you get four years, five years, maybe to accomplish what you say you, you say you want to do. So I hold the coaches accountable and I hold my kids accountable. You said that you want to go to the school. You say you were going to do this. And coach, in return, you said you was going to do this. So it's all about accountability. It's about establishing a good um, line of open line of communication and just being responsible on both ends. Veteran United States Air Force, proud father, life coach, inspired to change the lives of our youth. The factory, it ain't for everybody. Rob DeLoach, the uh, father of Jalen DeLoach, 6'9", 215-pound freshman at VCU. Kaylin DeLoach, a 6'1", 220-pound linebacker that hit everything that moves. And Taylor DeLoach, probably the fastest of both her, both of her brothers at Ohio State, uh, sprinter short in there. Rob, before I let you out of here, you know, when we talk about, when we talk about these opportunities and how unique they are, how rare they are, 
It's one thing to want your kids to go off and do great things, but the word going off. They ain't never spent time away from you. Now they're going to Virginia. Now they're going to Ohio. Now they're going to Florida. At what point did you realize that all three were prepared to not just go to college but be away from home in a situation that they've never seen and done before? Well, well part of it, uh, Ben, to be honest with you, I've been fortunate enough to travel with these kids all over the country, um, and our foundation was running track. We ran AU track until they got up to high school. So they were kind of used to being on the road, but not per se not being with their mom and dad. Um, it, it's a struggle. You know, for me, I was in the military, so it was nothing to be at this place and then go overseas in Germany. Yes, my mother cried and all of that, but um, and the same thing with the kids. Um, mom cried, but dad was like, yes, go soar, figure it out. Uh, we're still going to be here. We're still going to make the sacrifice to come support you. Um, and... That was kind of, you know, some of the things we did in decision-making. Yes, they're going to make mistakes, but, you know, we always ask them, if you're not sure about something, pick up the phone, call us. We're a resource. We're still your parents. And ultimately, we, you know, we want to see you be successful. Rob DeLoach, veteran in the United States Air Force, proud father, the husband of Ivy, uh, life coach, inspired to change the lives of our youth. The factory it ain't for everybody. The father of Jalen DeLoach, 6'9", 215-pound freshman of VCU, the Kaylin DeLoach, 6'1", 220-pound linebacker at Florida State, and Taylor DeLoach, sprinter extraordinaire at Ohio State. Rob, I appreciate you coming on with me, man. Keep doing what you're doing. I know a lot about the fact that I'm going to get up there uh, with you guys soon, but what you and Coach Carter is doing, you guys are doing God's work, man, and I send you nothing but, you know, uh, praises and uh, and appreciate you coming for and I appreciate you taking the time today, sir. Hey, anytime, man. You know, you're more than welcome, man. Matter of fact, we give you a key, man, a personal place to park when you decide you want to come up. Hey, man, I'm going to take you up on that, man. That way, if my lady do kick me out, I'm going to say, listen, I'm over here at the factory. I'm just over here sleeping on this on this nice couch in the factory. I appreciate you taking the time today, Rob. Yes, sir, man. Thanks again, man. And keep doing your good work, too, my brother. Appreciate it. Hello, this is Willie McClendon, former University of Georgia Bulldog. I enjoy listening to Three and Out with DJ, Ben, and Kevin. Good to have you here on this Wednesday. Kevin, BJ, and Ben. National Signing Day, at least the early edition happening day. We've had a lot of guys up and down the coast put in their NLIs, not to be confused with NILs, which are guys getting that too. Uh, out there across uh, college football. And certainly the biggest story seemingly uh, today around college football has been where the number one recruit or a top two, however, whichever service you want to go to, goes in the country. Of course, that's always a story. However, this time it's because he decommits from Florida State and goes to Jackson State, coached by Coach Prime. Deion Sanders there, Travis Hunter Jr. goes to Jackson State, First time an HBCU has gotten the number one recruit uh, in the country. And also, just full transparency, apparently comes with an NIL deal in the millions of dollars range with, uh, with Barstool Sports. So, a big day across the landscape of college football, but certainly in terms of, uh, whoa, a get-back moment and kind of eye-opening moment, that was the biggest one uh, today. Man, I'm super-duper proud of Travis Hunter. I really, really am. And I think what happens there is sometimes people be like, okay, what comes with it now? What 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 is it going to come now with uh, with being the number one recruit at the University of Florida? They got this thing called the Gator Collective. It's, it's a it's a chance for a bunch of former 
players, you know, uh, fans, alumni to put money in this pot to be able to try to give NIL deals for the student-athletes on campus, right? But the thing is, when you talk about a guy like Travis Hunter, he had what most players, most people will never have, and that's leverage. Deion comes to him and says, look, I know how to help you get to the league. I know how to help you get as much money as you probably can for your name and image likeness, and I know how to resonate with you. I am you. Everything you're looking to do, I've already done it. Deion Sanders says, I was a two, I was a two sports star, maybe a three sports star when he was at Florida State. He understands. No, and my brand is resonated. Deion Sanders, I mean, it ain't globally, but Deion Sanders has a brand like, like a Michael Jordan when you talking about as it pertains to football and people just knowing him. And he told Travis, hey, I'm going to get you the most money in Jackson, Mississippi, and you don't have to, be, you don't have to do anything but be you. So, because at the end of the day, what, what does the player really want? I want to play. Check. I want exposure. Check. I want my money. Check. Because when everybody else is going, Ben, wait a minute. Did you, he, you said he wanted his money. Did Brian Kelly want his money? Did, uh, did Lincoln Riley want his money? Did Billy Napier want his money? So when it comes to these players, Kevin, BJ, you can throw out the sport. Man, I love this team. We're going to get you two million. I love that team. Because at the end of the day, he still gets to play football. Prime walks in the room. What's up? I don't unless, listen, unless it's Nick Saban, which don't call him, don't call him Dion. Call him coach. <laughs> but I'm saying this makes this makes financial sense. This makes this is common sense driven. And Travis Hunter is telling the next number one, number two recruit. Miss, no, he didn't he didn't he didn't necessarily follow the money. He understood, look, man, this is this I'm I'm gonna go to the blessed place and give me the best chance for me and my family because this is what people don't get. The last number one overall recruit that went number one overall in the draft was Jet David Clowney. I couldn't tell you who the number one was, but they wasn't doing NIL. So shout out to Deion Sanders, because Deion Sanders said on the 14th, yesterday, I am going to shock college. I am going to he shock did. the college football world. And he did. And, and when you think about Deion, all he got is his work. Because let, let's just really call it what it is. There are people that want Deion Sanders to win, and there are people that want Deion Sanders to fall flat on his face so they can say, see, I told you so. Both of his sons are there. He won the swag. He's in the, he's in the celebration bowl, playing against South Carolina State, and he got number one recruit. And he won swag coach of the year. And he, and, you know, so I think I think he won Walter Payton or some some other award he won as well. But I I just give a lot of credit to Travis Hunter, BJ, and Kevin because at the end of the day, that whoever was when you were the kid that was supposed to be the number one recruit when he went to Ohio State and he got I think a million dollar deal, he plays for Texas now. No one said a word because he went from P five to P five. But you go from P5 to HBCU, what in the world's going on? Shout out to Travis Hunter. I hope that other guys use their leverage because at the end of the day, people say, Travis Hunter, he might not get drafted. And he got his cheese if he do not. And he got Deion Sanders. If I got Deion Sanders in my corner speaking on my behalf, I think I'm going to be all right if I'm a football player. Yeah, it's a game changer. And you talk about you know the various kind of aspects of this. Uh, this is something that I think will make guys think for the future in terms of maybe reevaluating some potential possibilities in terms of doing what's best for you in terms of looking at uh, – what this is moving into the business world it is when you go into college sports yes. whether you're ready or not whether you think you are or not you're moving into the business yes. world and yes. i think this is a broader perspective type move and this is for people who've said oh well maybe the you know the press won't be there you know the same publicity won't be there if he goes to no jackson state it's who everybody's talking about today 
Travis Hunter is who everybody's talking about, not just sports, but news. I yes. mean, all, all over the country. And I think when you look at this, the chance to play for Dion. Dion's the best corner of all time. I know uh, Travis, Travis Hunter said before on social media that, you know, Dion was his idol and he wants to be. Well, here's a chance to go learn from him and work with him every day. There's a chance to have marketing already in place. And that is an opportunity that, that, that these student athletes have earned, like you said. Everybody that's a part of a football program, they're doing something to benefit themselves mm-hmm. business-wise. Mm-hmm. And I think the student-athletes now have the opportunity to do that, and they're making the most of it. And then I know Travis also wrote in his Instagram post, you know, the, the, the opportunity to go to an HBCU, to add to that tradition, how much that means to him, how special that is to him. So I think this – Kevin, you're right. You said it um, – the start of the segment, kind of a whoa moment. Like this morning when I woke up and got on Twitter, I did not see anything sort of suggesting or saying we were going to see something like this. It was kind of kept quiet, I get. And 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 then when it hit, everybody in the sports world is going, like Kevin said, whoa. Not only is this huge news that we're going to talk about and retweet and write about, this is changing the way I think about this. Maybe I'm looking at recruiting a little bit different now. So Dion changed the game. Travis Hunter changed the game, and I think you will see student-athletes uh, consider other options moving forward. Maybe, you know, take an extra look at an HBCU. Maybe look at coaches who have the potential to help you with marketing, coaches who have been in the league, coaches who – and there are so many different things to consider when you get recruited, but coaches who can check every box, programs that can check every box. So I think it's exciting. I think it's cool, Ben. I thought what you said was well said, and – uh, I, I think it'll be very fascinating to see if this becomes more of a trend moving forward. Even if, even if even if it doesn't become a trend, right? It shows that it can happen. Like sometimes, yeah, you just gotta see it. I am listen, I am not getting biblical, but it's like a David and Goliath moment. What makes that story incredible? David was not a warrior, but he could throw the hell out of a stone. Right? <laughs> think about this for a second. He was actually taking food back and forth to the soldiers. His brothers were soldiers, so when he steps up, they're like, "What are you gonna do?" Like, think about it. They were trained to be, you know, you know, to be Goliath. When they saw them, they was like, oh. They was like, man, they ain't scared of him. Like, what you, what you going to do? He like this. Watch this. He got to swing in that thing because what people forget was, man, I got these sheep around me. I had to keep bears and lions away from these sheep. Or, you know, I had to keep them around. Now, I, you know, so I had to learn how to do so. When you got about, talk about a guy like Dion. He's done NILs before NILs wasn't even involved way back when he was at Florida State. So who was more equipped to do it? A guy that did it when nobody was doing it. Did it, in it. And when you talk about marketing, Deion Sanders, somebody called him Dion. He said, don't call me Dion, call me coach. He said, you don't call Nick Nick? Yes, I do. Next thing you know, doing a commercial with Nick Saban. I mean, I'm telling y'all, Deion Sanders – he is, he is a marketing but, but, guru. But, but here's what's amazing about Dion, and we were talking about this earlier, kind of his brand. Dion has not been in the NFL in, in what, 25? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, it's been a minute. I don't know it's off the top of my head, but, but in a generation. Yes. And in terms of guys who either played in the NFL or are in the NFL, he's got to be one of the 10 most publicized or most commercialized uh, you, you know, Terry Bowden, does, or not Terry Bowden, Terry uh, Bradshaw does yeah. a lot of stuff. Uh, obviously, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, but Dion is right up there well, still. And the thing about it is, you know, you see LeBron, that go LeBron. Or that go Steph. That go KD. That's prime. We talk about Dion like we know him. Never met him, but if you saw him, you know him. And Dion has leverage. People go, Dion Sanders only getting $300,000 a coach. We're like, this. you think that's what, he, that's what JSU is giving him? And Kevin, BJ, if I had leverage like that, 
And I was like, hey, man, I want you guys to come over here. Man, which, and I'm showing you these numbers. All right. Because what is appreciation? Money. I don't care what nobody tells you. I can tell you I appreciate you the cows come home. That He is telling Travis Hunter, look, man, you come over here with me because I know you You helping my reputation. I'm helping yours, but you helping mine. What you going to give me? I got you. Mama, Mama Travis, I got you. Daddy Travis, I got you. Why? People talking about M's. The average person will never see no M's unless they got a, a and and another M with a apostrophe S behind it. That's <laughs> it. I'm just telling you, that's a lot of money. But this is the big thing, though, that nobody's talking about. Dion's going to show him how to keep his money. So, y'all, he's going to get all his money. It don't matter if you spend it all. Young man, I'm going to show you how to make sure when this thing is over with, that bank account is still fat. Because if you get all the meals and cars and clothes, that stuff, mm-mm. So, shout out to Deion Sanders, man, because he said, hey, I, I give Deion Sanders this. You can hate on him all you want. You can try to dislike him all you want. Both of his sons play for him. Name a, name a, name a dude that's in uh, major, co- uh, major college uh, uh, athletics that is son. Behind son, who he play for? I'm going to play for daddy. Venables, who he, I'm going to play for? It just makes sense. I'm going under the Jackie State. I don't know if it's going to help them get any more prestige, BJ, but I think this. I got number one crew in the country. So how you going to top that on Thursday and Friday? And uh, you know, and then who else say he might not get another one? Don't I was going to say, what's next? You should be very, very nervous because if Deion can get Travis, you know, he can get Tyrone. He can get Keith. He can get Stan. He can get whoever he wants because he's giving the real NILs. I signed with those. I mean, the NLI. I signed with yeah. those. But if NIL deal, somebody saying, Mr. Truth, we don't think about giving them, you know, 10000 Boy, I'm tying in that. I was going to say, I don't think everybody's getting the millions of dollars in, 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 in NIL deals. But, yeah, again, I think this is one that will be interesting to watch because yeah. it is Dion. Yeah. And it is a out – I don't say outlandish, but it's compared to everybody else. It's an outlier, in, 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 in college football, nobody yeah. else has uh, anything that we've seen reported to to be of that, that amount. I still think, at the end of the day, you're going to see a lot of guys like, look, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State – that's where it's going to be because yeah. I will be in the national spotlight yeah. continuously. Like even with Dion at Jackson State, we've talked about him a little bit during the course of the season. You'd see a little bit more than you normally would of Jackson State. But how much does that push them in the spotlight that's out there? Now, if I'm getting two million, I may not care how much I'm on TV. You know, whatever. Uh, as far as that goes with my games, I care I'm on TV with my other deal. But you know, I you know, I I think that'll be an interesting thing to follow. Like I think it'll be for some. I don't think it will be for everybody. Uh, so I, in terms of a mass trend, I don't know. I think we will see uh, several guys choose that route. But I think there is an attraction because it is Dion and because he is recognizable that it happened and it happened here uh, at, at Jackson State. Because as you said, Eddie George is coaching at HBCU. He didn't pull anything off like this, and that's mm-hmm. a well-known guy. Mm-hmm. But it is it is a shadow. Compared to what Deion Sanders of is course. in the in the football world, of course, it's I, listen. I, I get once again, Travis Hunter, young man. I, I give you all the credit in the world. It took it took courage, but get the money for a second, man. It took courage to do what you did because you know you hoping that you're doing something that other people are gonna follow your lead. But it has been done, so now we can say, hey man, has a number one recruit ever won HBCU? Yeah, who did it? Deion Sanders. Deion. Hey man, listen. If you're an HBCU coach, I get Deion is taking your spotlight, but hey, won't hey, everybody can shine together? Yeah. Big, uh, big news out there of the day. We've got more to come here, three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Hey, this is David Green, former UGA quarterback, and you're listening to 3 and Out with NBJ and Kevin. 
Good to have you here, three and out on this Wednesday. Of course, uh, early signing period uh, getting underway today. Of course, this is just the first day that uh, that young men can sign. Of course, the early signing period uh, continues tomorrow and Friday, and then it will be closed again. And then in February, Uh-oh. it will open back up again. So uh, I think there's a little bit of a dead period in recruiting, and then. Right after Christmas, January 1st, it gets ridiculous, that final push to uh, the first uh, Wednesday in February. But obviously, we've talked to several people today. Georgia's still going to be looking for more. Georgia Tech's going to be looking for more. Florida's going to be looking for more. There's still schools. Just because you're a P5 school doesn't mean it's topped off and you're done. There's still spots available and still going to see more sign in February. And certainly as you trickle through uh, the Sun Belt and down to the FCS level, we'll see more local kids continue to sign at those uh, level schools as well. Yes, I think there's a misnomer that that everybody signed today, or this is kind of the totality of the football signing kind of window, and that is not the case. So we will see more signings nationally with you know the four and five stars uh, uh, statewide, regionally, locally. We will see more of that, and uh, we're obviously looking forward to that uh, over what, the next couple of months leading into that first Wednesday in February. So you still have a couple of days, an extended window in the early signing period, but there will be many, many more signings coming in early February. So just keep that in mind as we process all of this recruiting news. Yes, and this is about this is about making sure, you know, so you uh you get you in, a, you know, you get you an opportunity for one of these schools. I, I could care less about where you go. I care more about the, that you get the opportunity to go. I know we made a lot about, you know, number one overall uh, recruits and number two, number three. No, if you are one of the uh, what less than one percent that makes that gets a a, a a an opportunity to have a uh, college scholarship, athletically, I, I commend you because I know how immensely rare that is. Seven percent of high school gets athletic scholarships, and uh, when you start, and that's every single sport. So I don't care where you're going. Congratulations to the parents, to the to the to the family members, to these to these student athletes. Congratulations on the job well done. I know how extremely hard it is to do what you had to do to sacrifice to get to this point. Absolutely, and again, a lot to uh, to continue to unravel as we go through National Signing Day. Of course, we're getting ready for bowl season to start on Friday, so it'll be back upon us here in a couple of days as well. Appreciate uh, Connor Riley joining us from uh, Dog Nation, Kelly Quinlan. Uh, from Jackets Online, Jake Roos. I heard from him from uh, Dogs HQ on the show as well. Talked with a number of local signees. Holden Gurner uh, joining us on the show today. Tyson Rooks out of uh, Glen Academy. Uh, Jaquez Williams from Jenkins, who signed with South Florida. And Kaniah Charlton from Brunswick, who signed with FSU today. Appreciate all those young men joining us on the program. If you miss any of that, ESPNCoastal.com, Apple Podcasts, our YouTube channel. You can catch all those interviews. We'll see you tomorrow. Three and out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network.